This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners, and welcome to episode 63 of the Radio Free Istvan podcast, a Horus Heresy 30K podcast. My name's Michael, and I got my co-hosts here. Go ahead and say what's going on, Derek. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Scott. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And the powerful Ryan Kimmel. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm... So, if Ryan just Chris stops Duncan. talking... <laughs> no, from now on, from now on, no matter how drunk I get, I don't know that we can kiss on the mouth anymore. I'm just not sure about it anymore. <laughs> no more practice kissing <laughs> on Chris I know Duncan. that it's a tradition. I know that it's a tradition at our game club that after you play a game... You uh, kiss each other on the mouth just to show that there's no hard feelings because there has to be a winner and a loser. But we're gonna have to cut back on that if we keep getting everybody sick. Just a gentle peck. Chlamydia keeps keeps going amongst <laughs> around Ryan's game club. So just my lips look like. Cauliflower. Hey man, if you've had it once, you've had it a million times. That's what I say. I. We, <laughs> Your lips look like Jamie Foxx when he, Remember when Jamie Foxx did Wanda on um, <laughs> fucking in Living Color? That's what your lips look like when you get chlamydia on them. <laughs> it's like, remember that one tournament where we got mono from, from Ryan's Game Club? <laughs> <laughs> but we were Why all... is it that these these guys that are all wearing these battle mallet shirts every time every time I play a game with them they try to kiss me? What's going on? <laughs> It's not even like a, a friendly peck. It's like a passionate sucker. It's, that's salt, brother. <laughs> so anyway, guys, on this sweet episode 63, we're going to not only teach you how to honorably lose a game, but we're also going to talk about some cool things. We're going to go over our intro as normal. Some hobby progress will be inside of that intro. And apparently uh, some of these guys here have some insane level hobby progress uh well at least a couple of them anyway uh then we got some voicemails we're gonna play you guys left a bunch of voicemails and i know speaking of chris duncan kissing people in the mouth he left a uh pretty neat little long story in there uh i haven't listened to it but i do know that it's super long so i can only imagine that he goes deep into the story it's chris duncan did it yeah is that right oh, okay we're definitely going to wish you had just dreamed this one beforehand. <laughs> He's the one that... Oh, wait, is it Duncan Kendall? Which one works at the prison? It's probably... I, I know Duncan Kendall called in because he told me he was going to. Does he work in the prison? Yes. Yes. That's who called in. Sorry, Chris. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, Duncan Kendall. They can't have the same names within... It doesn't... That doesn't work. So, yeah, Duncan Kendall called in with his prison story. Uh, so that's going to be included in the voicemails. There's also a bunch of voicemails as well. I know some of our Patreon supporters also called in to leave in some uh, sweet little voicemails as well. So kind of interested to hear what's going on with those. Uh, and then, if you remember last week, uh, if um, if you if you don't remember last week, 
Dan Porter left us three stories of industrial accidents that he shared during his time. Uh, the Coxman himself, Sir Coxman, during the time where he was uh, in the, was it Western Africa, shipping cargo containers full of cars and shit. And so last week we had a pirate story come from him. So if you haven't heard that, go jump back and listen to that story because this week is another story based on his time in Africa. And I'm only going to assume that there's going to get like worse and worse as we talk about them. I hope so. So, so we got one of those stories oh, we're going to read off. By the way, Michael, I do want to thank you. To, speaking of last week, Jay really, really, really enjoyed being on the podcast. And he also really, really enjoyed the uh, the dudes looking for dudes and the little f- online flyer you made and all the feedback. <laughs> oh, yeah. The bicep. He loved that shit. He's oh, been laughing about the fire of that powerful bicep you made. Nice. <laughs> Making dreams come true. My mom, so like my like speaking of the the bicep flyer. My mom she likes she likes our Facebook page. Oh, fuck. Because yeah. she likes to see like all the the people wearing the aprons and stuff, you know, that she made and all this shit. So she sees this bicep and she goes why is there a big old dick on your Facebook page? <laughs> I'm just like, no, nah, mom, it's a bicep. Get your mind out of the gutter. Like it's it's a powerful bicep. We're dudes looking for dudes, and we're strong dudes. She goes, you cannot tell me this does not look like a dick. <laughs> I was like, like, it says nothing sexual. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was very clear about nothing sexual going on. How do we make it look more like a bicep? Should we add more veins? Like, what do you what do you expect? Like. <laughs> exotic veins exotic <laughs> veins will make it look more like <laughs> so so yeah man so I was, it was such a funny flyer and we did get responses back from uh, uh, from people in Connecticut so so we'll have to pass that information on to Jay man hopefully we can find him some some listeners and all that stuff and uh, guys if you're out there and you're looking for a group of people to uh, play some Warhammer Horse Heresy with you're looking for some dudes to play with just let us know. We'll create you a dick flyer of your own and <laughs> a bicep flyer, strong bicep flyer, and uh, we'll try and find yeah. you somebody to play with. So, so anyway, Dan, this this might be me just coming late to the party, but did Dan Porter really get his PhD, like a PhD in a like a educationally? Yeah, yeah, he's full on PhD. Was I bet I could guess? I bet I could guess what kind of doctor he is. What kind? The guy calling just (laughs) (laughs) Sir Cotton PhD Uh, gynecologist. Ladies, if y'all need late uh, listeners, if y'all need some professional help. (laughs) Anyway. Uh so yeah, industrial accident story number two. We're gonna talk about that. I'm really excited about that. Uh then we're gonna go into a 3,000-point Salamander Armored Breakthrough list, a 2,500-point Blood Angels Day of Revelation list, a 1,500-point World Eater list for Nova. We're going to talk about it. We don't have a list out for it because Ryan has some more questions. Uh, and that, that should be it. Then we'll do some wrap-up and all that. And, of course, if you all have been listening to the last few episodes, uh, we always catch Scott on kind of a time crunch because we can only... There's a short window in which we can hear his sultry voice, so... Uh, he does fall off about three quarters of the way through, which is totally okay. We get it. You got lives to do and jazz like that. So, been a slow anyway. moving week, so you won't be missing much. 
<laughs> so anyway, so let's uh let's see what's been going on, guys. So let's start with Ryan. Ryan, how's your week been going? What kind of hobby progress have you been going and how's just life treating you in general, buddy? Well, other than Chris Duncan giving me my herpes and making me sick, um, I've gotten a ton of terrain done. Well, not done, but just a lot of work done on it. Um, I have one. I have three, three four by four tables worth of uh, secret weapon miniature tiles, a four by four section of Games Workshop tiles, a second four by four section of Games Workshop tiles that are the street ones. I'm about 30 of those little ramshackle hut-looking things. Some of them are death ray design, and some of them are miniature building um, authority. I built that scrap fortress with the gate that goes up and down on it. I don't know if I saw it. Did you guys, did you guys see that? I sent video with the gate going up and down, I think. Did you see uh, I that? I must have missed yeah, that. Yeah, you, you put it up on the, I thought, the Patreon page. but I'll send it to Michael right now. Um, I'll throw it at the paper dump for all you <laughs> listeners out there. But um, I've been working on all that, getting all the base coats done. Anything I can basically do with a uh, rattle can or an airbrush. So I got several coats of paint on a lot of that stuff. Um, so that I mean that's a lot of work. It's more. It's basically about six tables worth of terrain, trying to get that all organized and get base coats done on everything. And then because the Michigan GT asked me to expand my event, and I was worried about not having enough time to get more terrain done. Uh, I contacted a place out of Australia that does really nice um, pre-built and pre-painted terrain. And I ordered about four or five tables worth of terrain. So it's supposed to be here, I think late August or whatever. So when that comes in, I'll take some really good pictures for you guys and put them out and all that. Um, so. That's bad. We'll that. Which, uh, like, I always look at that website that oh man, I, what is it called again? The Australian Terrain Builders. Blue, it's Blue Forge Terrain. Blue Forge Terrain. They're the ones that did the uh, the Primark Mount Rushmore, right? Correct. Dude, guys, if you are looking for terrain, cut like pro built terrain, custom painted, all that jazz, they'll do all that for you. That uh, Blue Forge is legit. They have a Primark Mount Rushmore. Oh my gosh, it's fucking cool as shit. I really like their terrain. They really they really get the idea of the hobby. I'm, I sent you my scrap village, and I'm sending the video of the door going up and down on the scrap fort. Oh, okay. I remember the scrap village. I saw this last podcast. So Okay. Dope. So I got paint on that now. Um, well, at least the base coats. And then I can't decide if I want to put chipping fluid on it and then spray paint it silver and then scrape the chipping fluid off and then start painting it. Or if I'm just going to go ahead and cause it's right now it's painted like red Brown. It, I might just go ahead and spray it silver. And then if there's a little bit of the red Brown showing through, just leave it and then do sponge weathering on it, you know, and then paint all the details and do a bunch of washes and weathering powders and shit on it. Cause I got to find a way to do it, you know, halfway fast. I just have, you can't paint, six tables worth of terrain to fucking like the level I've painted my word bears. It's just not practical. I did yeah. that, uh, zone more. I did my zone more talus table like that. And it took me 480 hours to paint a four by four table and about crushed my soul. So, <laughs> uh, 
fucking sucks. That's that's real life. That just shows your commitment to the hobby. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, so, yeah, of, that's pretty much it. Speaking of soul-crushing painting, Scott, how'd your week go, buddy? Bro, I've been in a fucking... I've been in the Hurricane Katrina of hobby right now. So, we, we already spoke to it a little bit earlier in the episode, but our buddy Jay is moving to Connecticut. <coughs> and uh, he commissioned me out to do some Space Wolves for him. And I have... Let's see, I picked up his shit last Saturday. So I've had it exactly eight days now. Um, and I told him I would do my very best to try to get it to him before he leaves. So I picked it up on the 1st of July, and I think he leaves on the the 13th or 14th. Whatever it is. Or I've, I've at least had it eight days, I know that. And I have three more days to finish everything. And so far, I have painted three rhinos that are convertible to Razorbacks, like I did the Razorback parts for them, too. Uh, a Whirlwind Scorpius, a Vindicator Laser Destroyer, a Predator that's magnetized for all kinds of other stuff, a Daredeo, a Leviathan, and I have to paint a Spartan, a Land Raider Phobos, and a Land Raider Proteus. And I have about 12 actual physical 24-hour days to get all this done to a uh, you know, to the best standard I can possibly do because I don't, you know, I wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, I've been fucking super busy with that. I have, I have, uh, kind of, I broke the problem down basically into three sections where it was like all the offensive tanks. So the predator, the vindicator laser destroyer and the whirlwind Scorpius is one part of it. The three rhino slash razorbacks as the second element. The third element being the two dreadnoughts, and the fourth element being all the Land Raider tra- chassis. So the Phobos, the Proteus, and the Spartan. And I'm on the last element. I'm putting together the Proteus right now. And then I will prime and hopefully get the base coats. Uh, details, highlights, and oil washes on that shit by end of day tomorrow. Um, man. I'm, this is my last project for the fucking summer, and I'm taking some goddamn time off. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. I think he's going to like it a lot. I'm talking to him now about scheduling uh, a place where he can he can pick it up because I don't, if at all possible, I do not want to have to try to ship models through the mail. At least when I'm a commission painter, you know that's not a luxury for everybody. I understand, but. For me, if I can, I try to keep all my business local so I can hand deliver my my product because shipping models through the mail is a perilous fucking adventure. And USPS and UPS don't give a shit about how much time and effort you put into something. They'll smash it into a million pieces like Ace Ventura at the beginning of Ace Ventura 1. It's just going to kick it straight down the hallway. Does not give a fuck. So um, I've been busy, man. But we're almost there. The ends in sight uh, for our Patreon dudes. I can. I'm gonna take pictures of all of this stuff before I go and send it to uh or go meet Jay to drop it off. But um, I'll 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 probably put those up on the Facebook page maybe uh today for for the people who give a fuck. So there's a where's line. his uh infantry? That's just a lot of vehicles. Uh, thank God. Thank God, because he definitely wouldn't be getting it before he moves in. 
What? <laughs> that's, that's fucking. Is he not gonna have you paint the infantry? I think he already has infantry painted. Like I think he. Uh, when I saw him playing with the army, he had, he had infantry painted from someone he knew back in California. So mm-hmm. I think all he needed was tanks. I hope. If not, I don't know. I, I just remember the last game that we played with him. He was just bitten out of space wolf shit, and it was all unpainted. And we all gave him the stink eye. And he right. was all like, "What's wrong?" And we're like, "Really, Jay? You're gonna play with unpainted models?" Yeah. And then he was like, "Well, I can switch to Death Guard." Come over and fuck my mother while you're at it. Yeah. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> he's shit. And he's like, "Well, I'll switch to Death Guard." And we're like, "Yeah, Jay, switch to Death so we can take some pictures." Yeah, you fucking savage Christ! <laughs> God damn it. But uh, yeah, man. So I don't know. I don't know what his plans are with the infantry, but uh, it's gonna be a while before I can do that. Um, but it is all gonna be done, so he can take that to meet whatever DUT meets up in Connecticut. So that's Badass. me. That's what I got. But I have no fucking other crazy, interesting stories for this week. It's that's this has been my week. So, it's still going. It's uh... dude. If you get if you uh, if you get into a bind where you have to uh, mail them off, get a hold of uh, Mister David Sampson with with Black Label Painting. That dude yep. shipped a Warhound and a Warlord to Texas, and these were like the best packed models I've ever seen in my life. Like they were just like solidly in this box, and like. They like it was such good packing that uh, that Zach just put it right back in that same box just to sh- like haul them around or like to move them places. And I'm just like, man, dude, like that is. Well, I sent some word bearer stuff to David Robinson this week, and I put so I took the stuff, wrapped it in bubble wrap, put it in battle foam that's custom cut for the models. So it's ra- the models are wrapped in fucking bubble wrap, put in battle foam. The battle foam is then put in a box, and then packing is put around the battle foam, and the post office still managed to break a wing off a Storm Eagle because they literally kicked a fucking hole through the side of the box and still snapped the wing off. There was a giant fucking foot-shaped hole in the side of the box. I just imagine some, like, fucking UPS. He's on the inside. (laughs) I just imagine, like, some, like, UPS man dressed, like... And on like like playing polo with your package, just up, 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 like just, and down the hole, <laughs> or just playing like extreme like, cricket in the UPS. Well, it just drives me nuts because I take a normal battle foam bag with battle foam in it, and fucking you know how people handle airplane luggage, they fucking throw that shit around, and they you know my models survive that. So then I took like bubble wrap, put models in bubble wrap, put those models in battle foam, put the battle foam in packing, put that in a box, and then they still managed to break it assholes once they once they commercialize that aerogel shit and then we'll be good like that, <coughs> that's as soon as as soon as they release you know what i'm talking about that like aerogel it's like lighter than air but it's like super soft and super hard like i don't know it's like the future the future of foam as soon as they release that shit man we need to hop on the patent for that like hopefully reese isn't listening right now i'm sorry but it's not it's not your fault, but uh, but yeah, that's. I'm saying we get we got to do something like some someone's got to change with with shipping models ar- across the country, and traveling to events and shit. 
it, it, however, no matter how good the packing is, it will not save your models if they're left alone in a parking lot. <laughs> what? Whoa. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> did, did I say something earlier? Sorry, Jared. I... <laughs> did, did, no, did I make I you mad, just... Ryan? Did I piss you off? <laughs> no, nah, that, I that makes me sad. Just so you know, makes me sad. It's just funny. I mean, it's it so bad. I'm not gonna lie. So fucking shitty. It's it makes me sad, but it's also kind of one of those things. Like sad in a good way. It's like you're sad, but I don't know. It's a good. Didn't thing. happen to you, it's... so. <laughs> so what did you guys do? Yeah, Derek. What's what's your story? All right. Well, I see you got. Who's this? Huskar. Uh, it's a. Uh, I do have a work in progress right now of a. Uh, Vol red blade conversion. I don't know if you want to throw that up on the camera real quick. And uh, I'll make sure to post some pictures of this in the in the picture dump, I guess. But Sick. mostly what I've been working on this week is uh, I've been trying to DIY a spray booth. So I can start, uh, start doing some airbrushing in my apartment without my landlord yelling at me. Do you have the landlord oh. from uh, Kingpin? That old uh, greasy actually, lady. Yes. As a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, I got so, a solution I, for you for the DIY spray booth. What's up? Michael, I'm going to send you a link. I All I can do is describe it because I don't have the link handy, but my buddy Nick showed me. Uh, it's a spray booth you can buy off Amazon, and essentially it has a filter in it, a, a filter you can remove and clean. And you can, like, set it up inside your house. You don't have to vent it out the window or anything. And it just sucks up the air, that, like the overspray from your airbrush. And uh, he use, he has a very nice home, and he uses it right on his dining room table. So I'll uh, I'll shoot that link to you, Mike, when you can throw that up on the Facebook page if you want or whatever. Well, I mean, what I've got right now is I've got basically a box fan, a box to put it in, and some, like, eight, like air conditioner AC filters. And that's the one I have. That's the one I have. That one's like $65. It works pretty He's good. Got, is it this guy right here? No. Uh, well, maybe. That, that one has a vent out. hose, Scott. Well, this this thing does have a vent hose with it, but you don't have to use if, uh, if you fuck have a window, I guess. You know. Mine has to have a vent hose because I didn't put the vent hose up one time and it fucking coated my entire downstairs room with red dust and I had to literally <laughs> go through it, vacuum <laughs> my couch, clean my bar, clean all my cabinets. Emily was probably less than pleased with that <laughs> result. <laughs> she wasn't pleased. <laughs> she, she still doesn't know till this day. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows. But yeah, I'll be putting a progress pics of that up in case anybody's interested in like getting into airbrushing on the cheap, I guess. I'm interested to see that how that uh, DIY spray booth works, man. Kind of interested in seeing what it looks like when it's all done. Looks like a box. Because that was a big old box fan. Yeah. If I'm lucky, it won't just throw paint against the wall. Splatter paint everywhere. Just spill it all around. So, good for you, man. Yeah, that's what I got. So, uh, this week, I've been 
very busy at work, but I've also been trying to like uh, play like I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it, but like if there was a like if, if Radio First Fan was a business and there was like admin things to do, I feel like that was that was this week, like dealing with like Shapeways this week and uh, going to go check out. Um, going to go check out possible heresy camp camp Aaron Zanzu so a lot of my free time this week was uh, was was not hobby related but RFI related so I feel like that was that was good so that camp was uh, super sweet so hopefully I, I know that for a while there we were just getting the, the message on the voicemail what have you done this week for heresy camp and <coughs> I picked up picked up Zach and we went to go check out that Camp Aranzanzu and we're fucking blown away how nice it was. And so at this point, man, like it was it's got the super giant mess hall for playing games and stuff. And then it's got like a uh art center, like a little separate large building dedicated for like arts and crafts and I was like, "Man, dude, we could do like airbrushing classes in there and shit." And then they have a, uh, you know, all the cabins, of course. They got two pools. They've got, uh, like, fishing pond, a boating pond, and everything like that. But they also have this thing called the, uh, called the sanctuary, which at one point was like a little a little chapel you'd go into with like all these windows around it, and they completely removed all uh, all like crosses and anything from the inside and they're like yeah you can do yoga and shit in there and like you can do all this it's like at the top of the top of the camp and so we, we got to figure out what we're gonna do with that i don't know who's yoga going. you can do yoga in here do they know the like the gaming community uh can you drink <laughs> mountain dew and fucking eat cheetos in here okay cool. okay. <laughs> okay i'm glad you i'm glad you have you... early onset diabetes in the, in here, my chance. <laughs> yeah Everybody uh, in there looks like melted butter, just fucking <laughs> stuffing Cheetos in their mouth. <laughs> like, uh, let me explain. Like, okay, so we we show up, right? And there's this girl, like this really nice girl named Amelia that comes and like pulls up in her golf cart and she's like, Let's let's take you on a tour. So what what exactly are y'all gonna do? And I was like, Oh, well, you know, we play this game called Warhammer, and I'm explaining her to like you don't realize how nerdy you are until you explain Warhammer. And then when you try and explain, it's like, well, it's not Warhammer 40K. It's actually Warhammer Horse Harris. It's a little bit different. Like, it's a whole fucking, like, just insane. <laughs> oh, like... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a demeaning conversation that must have been. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, you've really got to, like, lay down that, like, you're just a bunch of nerds. And so then, like, she immediately is like, oh, yeah, this is the basketball court. Y'all probably won't be using that. Like, it's like, you know, here's the pool. If, like, right, like, yeah. Land, if, like, if they see you, Amelia, they're going to run away screaming into the woods. <laughs> yeah. Here's the mess hall. We'll spend a little bit extra time in here, maybe talking to the chefs and shit. <laughs> we'll see how much Mountain Dew we can wheel in. <laughs> Do y'all think we should just fill up the Camelbacks with the Mountain Dew? I don't really... So yeah, like it was so funny. Was it like you, Scott? Was that was that you or Chris Duncan that had the fucking soldier that filled his fucking camel hump in the desert up with uh, Dr Pepper? I think that was him. 
I've never seen someone do that. But Jesus. Or was that a call-in? Somebody on this show told a story one time about some fucking soldier putting mountain or putting Dr. Pepper in his camel back in the desert, and then it fucking plugged up. I think because that was of, a call-in. That's funny. Rough. Whoever, whatever. That is fucking yeah. rough. So, uh, so yeah, she shows us this camp, and then like at the end, we're doing like the last little <laughs> drive-through. And she's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, by the way, that was the obstacle course. And you're like, oh, there was an obstacle course? Like, yeah, I totally forgot to even mention that the fact that we had a fucking obstacle course. Cause, Good call, Amelia. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's a, I don't really know how we would utilize that besides looking at it or something. Like, I don't <laughs> really know at what point that would come into play. But thank you, Amelia. Thank you for for immediately judging your clientele on which which amenities she should be showing. Well, I I almost had a contest once when I had Budokan at my house where I was going to give away like a free uh like two free Imperial Knights to any person who could run up and down that hill in the park over here five times in a row. Just to see a bunch of fat ass fucking out of shape gamers like try to do it and then laugh my ass off as they almost died. Then my wife was like, you do realize one of them will die. <laughs> and then you're going to get sued. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let's not do that. I like how you told so. that story in those aviators. Like, you're coming off like a really, like, African drug lord right now. Or, like, African dick. You look like Wheeler Walker Jr. right yeah. now. I need a count, man. I give one imperial night away to whoever were, runs up this hill. They were laying here on my... Somebody left him here. They were laying here on my desk, and my fucking eyes hurt from being sick because I only slept for about two hours last night because I kept coughing. So they actually do make my eyes feel better. I put them on just fucking around, and I'm like, ah, this is actually nice. My eyes aren't burning as much, so I just left them on. <laughs> They're a thing now. Cool, man. I mean, They're a thing fuck now. yeah. You're, you're working them. Where's Scott's apron at? Where's your apron? I'm, I'm putting stuff together, man. I'm not painting, so. Oh, okay. I probably should have my apron on. I'm going to get Super glue on the shirt, so it's okay. It's just a fucking cheap ass wild. So I'm gonna get fucking yelled at after this, but oh well. <laughs> She's like, I'm watching the live stream. Aren't you wearing your apron? Fuck. She starts banging on the floor from upstairs. I'm just like, oh shit. Everybody, write Scott and ask him if John Calipari pays him to wear that shirt like he pays his players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey man, at least, at least he didn't pay his players and prostitutes like Rick Petito does. Fuck, then we get our national championship banner pulled down. But... <laughs> Fucking great. But yeah, so that's that's uh, that was my week, man. It's been pretty crazy. All next week I'll be in New Mexico, so uh, don't know how much hobby progress I'll get done, but. Should be a good time. What part of New Mexico? Uh, a little place called Farmington. Oh yeah. And Is that near Las Cruces at all? I don't know. It's north north New Mexico. It's like directly on the border of New Mexico and Colorado. And fun little fact about Farmington: it is the site of the largest mass UFO sighting in the world. It was three days straight, over 500 UFOs, and 
pretty much half the town all saw these UFOs and like were completely aware of them. Like, yeah, there they are. They're flying around above us. Little fucking squares like flying around everywhere. There you go. There you go, people. So if you're in the Farmington area of the New Mexico area, I'll be in there Monday through Thursday of next week. So uh, hit me up. I should be free after like 5 o'clock. So anyway, that's what I got. Anybody want to add anything in? Anybody have some unsolicited hobby advice they want to throw in there? Like the new Vallejo Mecca paints, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, it's look fucking cool. Vallejo makes awesome paints. Yes, they Also... Dropper bottles kick the shit out of paint pots. So, just Bad all day. If you, yeah, if you if you if you like paint pots better than dropper bottles, lose my number. <laughs> lose my fucking number, kid. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw those new mecha paints are coming out, man. And it, like, I guess because uh, it's for Gunpla, like it's for Gundam shit, right? And I guess that the Gundam stuff has like a really like satin, super satin finish. I think that's what they're going for with these Mecha, with these new Mecha Vallejo line. And they're airbrush ready. And so I had already ordered and got in like the Vallejo orange. And me and Samson had kind of like worked out a uh, a paint scheme for uh, for the, the construction nights. Basically, they're just going to be like orange on all their panels yep. and then like a dark black metal underneath. But I'm gonna. I'm. I'm actually considering just using that mecha paint because it's like a satin, satin orange, like a like a really, like muted well, orange. I sent Samson some Dark Age models to paint just so he could paint some Dark Age stuff, so we could you know have some examples, so we could shout him out as a paint service for on my Dark Age podcast. Fuck and yeah. the faction I sent, the faction I sent him, the Saint Isaac faction, they look, they look like if Tao looked cool. Um, and so they're kind of like robot-y looking, but like grim dark, and they're they're orange. So if he wanted to try those new paints out, if they're out now, he could try them out on that stuff. I'm I'm fine with it if he's listening. He said he can do whatever some, he wants. So, so I feel like he would yeah. be doing that. Speaking of, dude, like you, you just jogged my memory of something that I didn't want to bring up. Uh, I listened to that episode ten of that new Ashkelon radio, where they had yeah. uh. And Brian. New Ashkelon Radio. They had Brian Steele on, one of the. I, I, he's like the head fucking like developer, right? Like he does like. He's everything. the main. He's like, the main developer for Dark Age, so he designs. He doesn't do it all himself, but he takes part in designing the rules, uh, designing the models, and writing the fluff. Yeah, guys. So, so this week I did listen to that that episode ten where he goes on there and he talks about the process of test playing models like test playing a fucking turn five times in a row doing the exact same thing not play testing by like crunching numbers and shit like that and then he goes into the production process how like they flew him out to their main like facility and like he was like helping the main guys pack this shit up and like get it get it on the run and like he's like giving information nine weeks in advance before it's like even released or nine months or nine weeks. I can't remember what it was, but it was so crazy to hear like that production side of it. And like Ryan had like specifically said, like, listen to this and like, listen to like how other game companies do it. And dude, that was fucking eye opening. I'm glad I listened to that Ryan. And 
it's a cool episode. Like I said, even if you don't play Dark Age, it's cool. Brian's really passionate about what he does, and he plays other games. Like he plays 40k, and he uh, I don't know if he plays 30k or not. I know for a fact he plays 40k. He plays Necrons in 40k, um, and he plays other games. But uh, obviously, Dark Age is his passion. You know, that's what he he designs. Dave Taylor uh, worked. Dave Taylor worked with him too. Dave Taylor worked for Cool Mini or not? He just recently left. But uh, Dave is still big in the Dark Age community uh, and stuff. But uh, the other cool thing I thought that Brian was doing that was neat is they have a faction in the game that they're redoing the rules for. So he literally re- he basically wrote beta rules for them, but they're not the final ones. But he wrote beta rules for them and released them for free on 4th of July. And then the official rules aren't going to be 100% locked in until Gen Con of next year. So he's letting the community play with these beta rules so they have new toys and new things to play with that are updated enough to where they can use them in tournaments so you can still play your army. But he gave out his personal email on there where you can email him any questions, comments, concerns, and he'll actually take it under advisement as far as adjusting them before the official you know, rules launch in a year, which I thought was really interesting too, how he was handling that. It's weird. So you're telling me they took like and feedback of everybody to construct something for like the community instead of just taking it from a few people and crammed it up everybody else's ass. How strange. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's not. I wasn't Passive trying. Aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. Like I, I kind of want to send Brian a cake just to see what happens. Like I kind of want. Yeah. <laughs> just to test the waters. Like what happens if I, I feel like it? Brian would have fucking responded back to the cake questions. Yeah. Well, Anyway, um, wouldn't try to go down that road. I was just, it's a, <laughs> it's Sorry, a cool, I can't fucking help myself, but. yeah, I know I can't either. It's the same, same here. Um, that being said, it's a cool episode. So it's new Ash Kalon. So it's a S H K E L O N radio. And the two guys who do that podcast are, uh, Jay Ryan and Chad Brunner. Uh, they're out of, uh, Illinois. They're just outside of Chicago in the suburbs. And, um, they're veterans of Dark Age, so they're kind of like the Dark Age version of like you know guys that do 30k yes whatever. So uh, it's it's but anyway, it would be like I guess the episode would be like if we could get um, the head designer of 30k on this podcast and interview them. Do but we even basically know who this the is head designer of 30k is? Hint, hint. If they you're just, out there, they just released the guy's name is. Uh, what article was that? They were asking him about something, and it, they said, we talked to... It was in the Warhammer community page, right. and it said, we talked to so-and-so, the head development of Heresy, about whatever, and he was giving... He was talking about something. I think it was the new Heresy rulebook coming out. Okay. So it looks like it's, what, Neil Wiley, and that's based on the uh, Warhammer community article, a new rulebook for the Horus Heresy... So it says, we caught up with Neil Wiley, the lead writer on the Horus Heresy rulebook and writer of several previous Horus Heresy books, to give us a first look at the updated edition. So, I think, yeah, I think I actually looked this dude up on Facebook to try and, like, track him down. But, I don't know. That'd be super nice. Yeah, as soon as I type in, start typing in Neil, it's like, yeah, here's the guy you were looking for earlier. So, it'd be super cool to have, like, to have this dude to talk to you. If he was doing like a little roundabout. Yeah, no shit. And I, I could would bribe say, him with I don't know sexual favors, whatever, man. 
yeah, fucking, I can't promise I have a lot of skill in that area, but I could make up for that with enthusiasm. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and that's and what I'm what I'm getting at is, I mean, you listen to that episode. I mean, Chad and Jay, I mean, they grilled Brian on a few things, but I mean, he handled it well and he answered. He took all the questions head on, and sometimes he gave, you know, like an answer you wouldn't expect, and kind of like were like you could tell that. Jay and Chad hadn't thought it that way, and they thought that there was something else going on. And then when he gave the answer, they were like, oh, "Okay, well that actually makes sense." That type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, it's like uh, right now, there's, I don't know, there's so much like confusion and stuff like that. Just just doing like a little media campaign, running around talking to podcast or you know, shouting stuff out. You could tell that's what they clearly tried to do with this article. It seems like it'd be smart to like, you know, because I, I don't know. Yeah, but they that... still don't answer. They don't answer some of the bigger questions. Like the very first question asked would be like, "You're you're printing this rule book. Is this some temporary thing, or are you actually like writing a new edition that is new, but basically more in line with the, you, you know, since third edition style of games, but its own edition? And are you going to keep it there, or are you just?" copy and pasting this thing as a temporary thing and then switching to this new version of the game that's like Age of Sigmar. Fuck yeah. Hey, before we start back up, are we still paused or No, no back up. We're live. We're going. Okay, well, never mind. All right, cool. I'll hold this piss for later then. <laughs> Very well. Just find a bottle and piss in it. Like and for our Patreon supporters that are live streaming this. <laughs> Prepare for a show. <laughs> That's what your monthly benefit is. Here's, here's Scott's Kentucky Hogoso. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, Scott. Just go. Just go. We'll, we'll, we'll yes. keep this going. You get out of here. So anyway, you know, it would be fucking badass if we could, if, if, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm, that's probably wishlisting, but it would be cool if someone wishlist, wish like, okay. I just want to say this, Ryan, everything that we've ever, or Scott, everything that we've ever wishlisted has fucking happened except for the, the forge world cake questions. So just, just, <laughs> just put it out in the universe. What would you like to see? Go, go. Him? Oh, I I don't care, man. Whoever that dude is, if he just wants to come on and tell us what his direction is, that would be badass. I won't even ask him any questions. I would. I'm asking questions. Here. Don't listen to Scott. I'm yeah. fucking. Asking. <laughs> <laughs> He's more of an adversarial journalist than me. But I no. won't say it's adversarial. I just want fucking questions, and it's the you know we're gonna fucking you yeah. know have it have it on tape and have it recorded. That would be cool. <laughs> He's gonna hang up that Skype. And then I'll reward you so with my quick. fucking. Hard-earned and rapidly devaluated American dollars. <laughs> if you say the right thing. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> he's gonna hop on. He's gonna say, "Hey guys, Ryan's gonna say, listen, fuckface," and he's gonna immediately just hang up. Like, whoa, <laughs> fuck, blocked. <laughs> I'm not gonna be uh, like mean about it, but there are questions I want to ask. He don't have to answer them. I just want to ask the question. I think I think it'll be professional and courteous. Gav Thorpe can vouch for us, and maybe that's who. Maybe we should reach out to Gav. Maybe like yo, he, you want to talk about a guy who doesn't look like he sounds. <laughs> that he has the same fucking illness I do, where people are like, "You don't look like you sound." Gav's oh, got man. that really deep, like cool voice, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he does, man. He has a fucking awesome voice. Yeah, you know who How else has he, a fucking Brendan like commercials and shit? Brind, or? Brendan Hickey has a cool voice too. He needs to come yeah. over and, and uh, win a game against me so we can kiss and him on the mouth. He's like a giant. Looks like Travis Brown. He's fucking huge too. He's like who is or something? Brendan Hickey. Oh, he's big. I didn't know. Yeah, he's fucking tall as shit. Okay. <laughs> he needs to come and win. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe he can cradle me in his arms like a baby and talk yeah, to me. Deep brown eyes too. That, yeah. <laughs> just hold me. Lose yourself in. Just, just hold me like this. Just hold little Ryan, little five eight <laughs> Ryan like this. Not that I've ever you. met this man, but I have followed him. <laughs> a handsome son of a bitch. I'm, I'm so glad that y'all are just admiring this guy. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's needed to happen. Like this, Brandon Hickey, man, good for you. God, you, you just, I, I have like a, a visual of what you look like right now in my head. And pretty sure he plays for the fucking British Olympic basketball team. He is fucking tall as fuck. So, <laughs> it's, I imagine you on some sort of yacht. <laughs> <And> <laughs> So yeah, so guys, if there if anybody has a connection to Mr. Neil Wiley, I don't know how we ended up in this like little area, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're here. So we were talking about Brian Steele, yeah, for on that other park acting with the community. So if you if you got a connection with Neil Wiley, we would definitely appreciate thirty minutes of his time. Rapid fire questions for him, and I feel like. I, th- I think this would be a good a good podcast for him to be on. So, and and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't try to do the gotcha thing. Like I would legit like write all the questions I want to ask and send like them Mr. To Wiley, we got you here today because we want to know what your stance on Donald Trump is, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not just gonna put it <laughs> on blast. Like I, I want I would write all the questions down and send it to him beforehand so he can decide how he wants to answer what he can answer and whatever we're not on the spot. <laughs> it's like first question. Did you have feel about it? <laughs> first question. Did you have anything to do with this? It's that like a skies of death book or whatever. Did you have anything yes. to do with this? Death from the skies. Death from the skies. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. Good answer. All right. <laughs> Mr. Wiley, ISIS. Are you pro or against? Uh, against. Okay, good. Glad we cleared that up. There Scott's like that's, out there. Scott's like that's all the questions I had. <laughs> that's all I had. Just wanted to make sure. America, freedom. He says no. I like ISIS and fucking Tim Kennedy just appears behind him in the fucking <laughs> <laughs> webcam, like like out of his closet. closet. Ah, it's Tim Kennedy. <laughs> Get him, Tim. <laughs> all right. So our open invitation to. So Mr. Wiley is out there. Badass name, sir. Hope you can come on and talk to us. Does Hopefully you're already a listener. Pineapple on his pizza. There's a good one. <laughs> so now that we have that dropped out. You wanna knock out some voicemails? Let's hear them. You boys like voicemails? <laughs> so Oh, okay. Oh, I know I want to. I don't know when we're going to get to it, but I know Duncan Kendall's is going to be good because he called me on the phone and he says I'm going to call in with this story and he, we were talking about how to do it and then he goes okay now before I can do this I'm going to have to go into work and do a little bit of research to see if I'm legally allowed to tell some of these stories in case they're on 
pending cases or something that blah, blah, like, so, you know, when you have to go to work and get it legally cleared that you're allowed to talk to it, talk about it, it's probably pretty good. Badass. Nice. Nice. Good, good laying down of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that. All right. So first one, not from Duncan Kindle. This is a voicemail voicemail. And once again, guys, if you're out there listening to our voicemails, you can call in to our voicemail line, 209-RFI-30K0. So, first voicemail. Man, so I was listening to the recent podcast and driving home from a vacation. And so, uh, the desert story got me thinking of my own. We uh, were training out in uh, California, and uh, it was uh, MTC, anybody that was in the military knows what that place is. And we're an agency unit, but uh, I was a ground guy, and uh, we went with our entire battalion, which is uh, crazy. And so our first night out there, we're supposed to uh, go to a range. We drive out to the range, stay the night, go shoot at the range, and then apparently we're supposed to get picked up, and then the next guys that get dropped off, they're going to drive the trucks back or whatever. So we go all the way out there. We're maybe like an hour away and uh, from civilization from a drive. And uh, we get out there, we stay the night, then we go and shoot the next day. And then the helicopters come in and they drop off our replacements that are going to take the trucks. And then they only take 12 dudes and then never come back for like four hours. They fly overhead. And then they come back, fly overhead again another four hours later. So we're like, what the hell's supposed to go on? We don't have enough water or food to be out here this long. And we end up staying the night. And we're still running out of water. We're rationing food. It's getting ridiculous. And the guy in charge is First Sergeant Walker. I still remember this guy. And uh, he's an echo company First Sergeant, which means he's in charge of, like, the motor pool, the cooks, and all the other fuck-ups in the battalion. And, uh... So we're like, well, we need to get some water or something. We need to, like, try to send somebody back. And this guy's like, no, no, it's all it's all going according to plan. They're going to come back out here and pick us up. We're like, dude, that was supposed to happen, like, two days ago. We're <laughs> out of water. And then finally, for some reason, out of nowhere, they do finally come back and pick us up. That's... Hold on. There's, there's more. Okay. I just couldn't imagine being somewhere and then like, they're just like, yeah, we're out of water, but it's okay. Things are going to plan. Yeah, it's me again. One last thing. What have you done to make stiff camp happen this week? Oh, oh. Well, well, from the future. Hold up. It throws the voice trying- out of uh, out of out of order sometimes. All right, Sam again. Uh, this time I just got a story. Uh, goes along with the industrial accident style. Oh, okay. Hold on. I believe that's part one. So- no, no, that was that was part two. So anyway, so so the first story. So basically, it was kind of like Scott's story where he was trapped in the desert and. Yeah. They weren't sure when fucking food was coming or water was coming. He was stuck out there for two fucking days. 
Is that yeah, common, Scott? Anytime you're fucking at the mercy of the federal government for your survival in the middle of the desert, you are fucking screwed. So, <laughs> it's lesson learned. <laughs> Just make sure you have some form of Google so you can learn when it's okay to drink your piss. That's right. I mean, watch Bear Grylls, man. And to figure out which uh, which lizards can be squeezed for water. <laughs> All right. So here's his second call in, his second voicemail. All right, Sam again. Uh, this time I just got a story that uh, goes along with the industrial accident style. Uh, so when I was in Hawaii, I got put on this guard duty for like a week of just and watching the ammo supply depot. It was me, one other private, I think I was maybe a specialist at the time, and then uh, a sergeant. And basically we just sat in this guard shack for like 12 hours a day, watched the entire series of scrubs, and that was about it all day long. We'd open up the, the gate, and basically people going to the range would drive their trucks in. They'd go get some ammo somewhere else, drive their trucks in, and then, like, leave them in this, like, locked-up pen overnight. And then they would come get them back in the morning and then drop them back off or whatever. And so our job was basically just don't let anybody steal all the ammo. And uh, so when we were up there guarding it, like, uh, they would just go and drop the trucks off in this uh, little caged-in area, and then we would just, like, close it up, and then they'd go. So... We're back in the shed, and there's uh, two guys that are dropping off a truck in the caged-in area, and we hear this, like, pop, kind of like a firecracker, and then they start screaming, and we're like, what the fuck's going on up there? So we go running up there, and the dude's bleeding out of his leg, like, pulsing blood, so we definitely know it's an artery, and it's not good. So we call the hospital up and get a 911 ambulance driven over, but we are the furthest away on this base from the hospital, like as far away as you can be. Uh, he died in the ambulance because he bled out. And what the idiot was doing was he was trying to like impress this private that he was with. And he like took his pliers out and ripped <coughs> the bullet out of the, uh, out of a, a round and was like pouring the gunpowder out and lit it as he was pouring it. And it, the flame traveled back up into the round casing and exploded in his hand and a piece of shrapnel ended up in his leg, cut his artery. The fucker died on the way to the hospital because he was trying to impress some private. Holy fuck. Merry Christmas, folks. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit, that's fucking real. Like, holy... Wow. Like, what kind so of do bullet? You, do, you get a purple heart? do you get a purple heart for that, Scott? No. No, I'm not even sure you get a military funeral for some shit like that. I think it is... That's like the what guy is... I know that the dumbass the dumbass kicked the anti tank mine, the the cluster bomb mine after they they had the tape laid out where they'd cleared an area um, where they you basically said you can't go outside the tape because the mine clearance guys had only cleared that corridor and the driver for the colonel had walked outside of the line and was out there messing around and they yelled at him three times to get back in the line, like inside the lines and he would come back and then later on be out there and he was out there and he kicked one of the fucking cluster bomb pieces and blew his fucking leg off and while he was laying there screaming on the ground and shit, the colonel walked over and just screamed 
hope for this, why they were matching him up. What did they say? You kind of broke That's out when, said you, when you said it. He said that the guy said that the colonel, after the guy had just blown his leg off and was like writhing on the ground in pain, holding the stump of his leg, and the medics are trying to keep keep the him from bleeding to death, the colonel walked over and looked down at him, and he said, I hope you don't think you're getting a purple heart for this. <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> Dude. Stupid games win stupid prizes. That's all I'm gonna say. That fucking shrapnel story, like that's some scary fucking shit. Like that is, like that is God wanted you dead. Like he <laughs> sent the smallest piece of like a metal shrapnel into your fucking artery to kill you. Like that is <coughs> fucking bonkers. Like the ways that you can fucking die. Holy shit. That's wow. That's a real. That's a real story right there. Just imagine. Okay. So he also said that one where it was ask me what I've done for stiff camp and y'all heard about that heresy camp. So we got this one. Nope. (laughs) All right. Let's try that again. With the second voicemail they sent. Hi guys, looking for you to talk about a little Death Guard next show. Looking for a 2,500 point list, not the reaping. Thank you very much. A little bit of desk art for our new show? Death Death Guard. Death Guard, Guard. okay, that makes sense. 2,500 point Death Guard. Did he say his name? Do you have a name? Hi, guys. Looking to talk about a little Death Guard next show. Looking for a 2,500-point list. Not the reaping. Okay. Okay. So right now, I want to try to make myself a note so I remember. I'm just going to call him Stranger. That's his new name, Stranger, since he didn't say a name. So we're going to put... My phone has to... There we go. So that I can find it. So we'll type in draft name, stranger, death guard, 2,500. I'll work on it this week and have it for next show. Boom. Death guard, 2,500. When Scott Scott gets back on here, we'll discuss what right of war we think we should go with. Okay. So... The next email I got is not a voicemail, but it is a story that comes from, it's an email that comes from Adam Jones over at the Legion of Lies podcast. So Mr. Adam says, it's titled Industrial Accidents. It says, hey guys, Adam here from the Legion of Lies podcast. They're on episode two, guys. Go give them a listen. They go over one of my lists I sent in on their last episode, too. So, go check them out. He says, So, I heard y'all talking. Well, he's the word y'all? Adam. My brother. (laughs) So, I heard y'all talking about industrial accident stories, and I thought I'd just throw these out in there for you to peruse. So, I used to work down in the well-known docks here in the UK. It's known as the Port of Britain, and I'm sure you're all aware that these docks are a fucking dick of a place to work. 
So much plant machinery traffic and fucking off cranes about. Not to mention the people just walking about the quay. I don't know what a quay is. Q-U-A-Y. Taking twist locks out of boxes or climbing aboard the vessels. So this first story was a little before my time there. Rumor has it that a group of people were being shown around the port and were up one of the ship-to-shore cranes. Now, having been up those fuckers all, I can say all I can say is Jesus fucking Christ, that shit's high. So yeah, they were being shown around, and whilst up the crane, one of the guys realized he knew the crane driver. So they got chatting for a bit, and the rest of the group began the long trip down. So after a minute, this guy's like, oh shit, I gotta go, dude. So he turns to walk down. The crane driver is a little distracted at this point, and sort of says, yeah, okay, man. Thinks the guy has started down the crane, the stairs, and goes to the trolley, the cab, goes to trolley the cab forward so it's over the vessel. What he doesn't realize is that the bloke that had just gone to step over the point where the cab and the frame meet, so as the crane trolleys step in out of nothingness, <coughs> needless to say, it's about 180 feet drop, and he landed on his feet. So, yeah. So as the crane trolleys, he steps out into nothingness. That's fucking insane. That's a 180-foot drop to sheer death. I just want to point out, I've never heard anybody say y'all... And whilst, or whilst. <laughs> whilst, yeah. Whilst, at the same time. Nope. Just my, uh, possibly my, uh, my report on chromium back in seventh grade that I got an F on. Hmm. So, anyway. Another one, whilst I worked there, a grounds worker, contractor, brought in to sort out the fucked up paving we had to drive around. Wasn't paying attention when he was shoveling cement into one of the industrial mixers and threw a load of ballast, broken up concrete chunks in by accident. So the machine jams up. He goes over to look at it and sticks his head in the entrance, which is a good 12 FF across. What do you think that is? 12 FF. Maybe that's... I don't know. Definitely not feet. They're not that big. Oh, well. The ballast had blocked up the feed pipe Pressure had built up and then all of a sudden released, firing approximately three tons of concrete and shit out at this guy's head. When they took him away, there wasn't a great deal left of his upper half. I was driving by it as it happened, and man, it shook, it shit me up. Could you, like, this? Fuck. So, guys, if you're near a concrete mixer, do not fucking stick your head in it. No matter how seized you think that motherfucker is. Fuck. Wow. The last one isn't so bad. Quite funny if you think about it. A friend up was up in RTG. Google that shit or you've played GTA 5. It's a little crane that you drive to load to love the boxers on the docks. To load the, the boxes on the docks. And a lorry tried to play chicken. Now obviously the RTG driver is 90 foot off the ground and can't see very well. Let's just say the 18 wheeler was the size of a Tonka toy by the end but no one was hurt, luckily. Jesus Christ. That is... I guess when you get bored, man, idle hands. Like, that's... We had a guy uh, back over a John Deere Gator scraper. Um, There was a guy sitting on the John Deere Gator talking to someone else, and the scraper was parked behind him, and the guy got in the scraper after lunch and fired it up and went to back up, and luckily the, the, the Gator was turned around, so the tire started going over the bed, of the gator, you know, and it's pretty long. 
So the guy felt the gator going back back and sees this big tire, so he jumps off the gator, and then this thing just gets steamrolled by the scraper and smashed it about a foot thick. That's fucking crazy. Chuck, 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 Chuck. There you go. Yeah, I just made a huge mess, but... That's why you have to have an apron. That's right. So, says, were anyway, you listening? Guys, did you hear? Did you hear the industrial accident stories? I missed it because my dog just pissed all over my basement, so I was furiously uh. trying to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you were He's loving your dog so much. He's on steroids for his uh, <laughs> butt glands, and they make him pee a lot. And he sometimes he he's he's housebroken and stuff, but poor guy had to piss. It, I fell the floor down here, so <laughs> that sucks. That's what's going on in my life, folks. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to that. <laughs> Just one piss puddle at a time. Well, I was gone for a little bit. We'll, we'll go ahead and uh, give you the benefit of the doubt because Scott just said he had to pee, and then all of a sudden he, there's piss on the floor, and he's right. mopping up. We'll, we'll just we'll just say that it. We'll that say a hundred that that was the dog and not just yeah, Scott. <laughs> that dog walked in. He's like, "Ooh, a scapegoat." Hold on. <laughs> Here he is. Yeah. Said anyway. Keep up the good work, guys. Love the podcast and the new crew. Oh, and Ryan, stay in your fucking lane. Peace out, bros. Adam. So Thanks, once again, Adam. guys, that is Adam over at the Legion of Lies podcast. Go give him a check out. Pretty funny. He cracked me up. So. Next voicemail. Do they say cunt a lot, just like in the emails? Yes, a lot. What? Hey, this is Chris. Just calling in because you uh, requested my call about the Razor Blade story. Oh, yes. Well, it's been going on for a couple of years now at my shipyard. A guy goes around on the ships leaving Razor Blade behind common areas where you would put your hand so people will get hurt. So that's been going on for a while now. One of the guys on my crew actually grabbed the ladder well and sliced open the palm of his hand. Um, and it's been escalating over time. So uh, he's taking these like six-inch knives that we have and taping them to low points around like ankle and calf height. So if you walk by it, you know, slice your ankle or your calf. Um, he's put, started to put them under toilet seats now too. So if you were to grab the toilet seat to uh, lift the toilet seat up or down, you get your hand sliced open. I think there was even one instance where he put it on the top of the, uh, toilet seat and spray painted them black to hide them. So, yeah. That's been going around. That's my, that's the Razorblade story, short and sweet. Um, a couple more industrial stories. You can, if you want to play the truth or, truth or not game, I won't tell you if they're true or not. But, so, there was a windstorm and there Shipyard uses cranes that are fairly big. You know, they can lift equipment out of subs and aircraft carriers and the like. So they're four, maybe five stories tall, so they're fairly large. 
and the brakes failed on one during the windstorm and rolled up and crushed the guy to death. Another one was where a guy was climbing down the ladder well and his ring got caught on the ladder when he was jumping off it. And he degloved his finger. Oh, fuck. You guys don't know what degloving nice. is? Don't Google it. Yep. It's not yep. gonna, that's gonna make for a bad day. I'm about to have a bad day. Um, <laughs> and then there was another story I was thinking of. I just can't remember off the top of my head right now. Let's see here. Come on. Well, I don't remember the story off the top of my head right now. But, uh, there's two. I'll call you back if I remember the third. Oh, man. So that's Chris, one of our Patreon subscribers, and he's in the Patreon chat. And we talk all the time about, like, how fucked up in the head do you have to be to, like, leave little hidden razor blades around everywhere? Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah, what's the purpose in that? It's like mental illness, man. That man could probably buy a gun. (laughs) The the degloving thing, I can't get that out of my head because that happened... Uh, when I worked excavating once, a guy jumped off a piece of equipment and the same thing happened where his glove or his ring got hung. But the way he fell, not only did it do that and peel the skin, but you know how your bone, your finger actually runs down into your hand? This yeah. bone that runs down from your knuckle down to here came out of the top of his hand and was sticking straight up out of the back of his hand. So this oh. finger was sticking straight up from his wrist bone, basically straight up out of his hand. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing some pictures of stuff like this, and uh, it's it's bad. bad. It happens in jujitsu. It happens in jujitsu. That's why they always tell you to take your rings off and shit in jujitsu, because people get weird grips and throw each other, or to get caught in a gi and do something weird, and it'll do it. I've seen pictures on the MMA underground all the time where they're like, "Don't wear your rings while you roll. This is what it yeah. looks like." And somebody's wedding ring will be up here, and their finger just rolled up. At the top of the reading wing, all the way at the tip of their finger. Yeah, working around a working around aircraft too. That's a big one. Is uh, like um, open skin aircrafts like C seventeen, C one thirties that don't have any like upholstery, I guess, on the inside of them. Um, if you're working around like paratroop doors while it's in flight, that's a big one. Is not wearing your rings because if you slip and fall, man, that's it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see these pictures I'm scrolling through. They're pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got another one right here. You know, everybody's... If this is everybody's first... What's up? If this is everybody's first first episode that they've ever listened to, it's going to be like, why the fuck is the whole middle of this podcast just horror stories? And they're hand skinned, <laughs> sitting on razor blades, crushed by equipment, shit like that. It's pretty funny. It's 30k related, we promise. <laughs> For real. <laughs> getting getting an idea of how fucking grim dark the future can be. You gotta understand how grim dark the present is. <laughs> can you imagine like thirty thousand the year thirty thousand like industrial action industrial accidents? Nope. Some guys Hey like, uh... That's that's what we need. We need Tim from Eye of Horus to come up with three uh, industrial accidents that could happen in a man of... Uh, Canicum. Perfect. 
Something tells me union agreements on mechanical board factories are not uh, are great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just picturing a guy working on like a LAS battery and he just gets vaporized from the waist up. I don't think life is as valuable in the 31st millennia as it is in the not, like not current really. it's, two. It's, it's back to where like uh, like it was in like Middle Ages where you know human resources like people you got people for days it's just the uh, the raw materials and stuff like that's expensive <laughs> all day son so it's like oh you got fucking blood all over the console shit <laughs> look <laughs> uh, we got to we got to make these sealed these need to be uh <coughs> we need to stop getting blood and all this shit that's why space marines have backpacks <laughs> All right. Hey guys, it's Chris. Um, I said I'd let you guys hear about a couple stories from my Navy time. So, there, the arresting gear on the aircraft are just giant cables like you'd see on the side of a suspension bridge, right? So when the aircraft lands, it, the tail hook pulls on it until it goes taut and retracts. Well, the uh, cable snapped, and when those things snap, they are just death incarnate. Anything in the way just dies. Well, there just happened to be a helicopter in the way where it wasn't supposed to be parked, and right in front of where the damage control people normally sit, there's usually about five or eight of them right there, but luckily someone parked that helicopter there. So it took the brunt of the uh, ah, arresting gear hit and saved all those guys' lives because it would have come at waist height. But unfortunately, one guy did get hurt. He uh, took the arresting wire right to the lower half of his uh, thigh and sure it straight off. And that was interesting. The helicopter actually got a purple heart <laughs> for saving all his lives. How appropriate. Another time, a uh, gunner's mate was clearing an M249. And how weapons are cleared on a ship is, or at least on my ship was, they have a little metal box dug into the ground or the deck, I should say. And you put the gun in the in the hole, and you pull the trigger to make sure that's cleared. Well, he was like the third, fourth one down the line, and then you normally would have caught the weapon. I mean, caught the bullet in the weapon at the time. So he pulled the trigger, it actually fired, and the way he was sitting was kind of like, I guess giving birth, you know? He's got the weapon between his legs and everything. So when the bullet hit the steel, it fragmented, like it always does, and shot off his inner thigh and into his uh, balls. Fuck. Pretty much just destroying everything it touched at that range. So he was medically discharged for uh, losing his nut. So I will catch you guys later. Thank you for all you do. And if you are ever short on lists, I am not ever short on lists. So just hit me up and I'll give you a list later. One of the ones this week is his list. <laughs> of well, course. well, well. 
Damn, dude. So it's I think it's pretty funny how uh, it came up on <laughs> what you need to do to receive a Purple Heart, and <laughs> they gave a fucking Purple Heart to a helicopter. So that worked out pretty well. Didn't know they did that. I'm going to call yeah. bullshit on Purple Heart to a fucking helicopter, but hey, <laughs> what do I know? A little skeptical hippo action. <laughs> yeah, a little skeptical I hippo. thought he said the pilot. I, think. I thought he said the guy that I thought he said the guy that got hurt, the pilot that got hurt. Pretty sure you have to be like wounded by enemy fire, but what do I know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, hey, I fair, wouldn't know. If I had the jurisdiction to give a purple heart to a helicopter, I probably would. Yeah, but if it was like an Apache, I'd say, "Oh, <laughs> you, you hurt her." <laughs> what did they do to you? What did they do? All right, so now the prison stories. Oh, yeah. Hold on one second before we get into the prison stories. All right, so this is Duncan. Uh, yeah, I work in a prison uh, in Kentucky. Yes, unfortunately, I know Jack. And fuck you in the heart, Jack, for calling me out or making them call me out, you son of a bitch. Um <laughs> Hey guys, uh, so you want some stories from prison. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk about the uh, escape thing that Ryan mentioned the last RFI episode because that's going through litigation and shit right now. So I can't really mention that. Uh, suffice to say that yes, there was an escape from a prison in the state of Kentucky and it happens. Um, shit happens unfortunately these are inmates they do criminal shit to get in prison and then when they're in prison they still do criminal shit so uh you want a couple stories from prison okay uh keep in mind i can't really say everything that's really good or bad or whatnot because unfortunately some of the shit we can't talk about because we're not allowed to um but uh, i got a couple stories i can tell um so I'll tell you a story about a uh, why you don't fuck with old guys in prison. And uh, here goes. There is, there or was this uh, little guy. I can't even tell you how tall he was. He was maybe five seven, five eight, buck thirty, buck fifty, somewhere right around there. Little guy, not really a big guy, but he's in prison for something, probably meth, knowing his state. And uh, he's running a uh, – he's he's trucking people in his dorm because he's got some kind of earned reputation of being a badass, which doesn't mean shit. Um, but people bank on it in prison a lot. So uh, he, he's running a business on these guys who are in his dorm and in his bed area and in his unit. And uh, he's extorting them for canteen. Uh, now, canteen in prison terms – does not mean the same thing as the guy from Connecticut who or going to work in Connecticut, the canteen company. No, canteen in prison normally means things like uh, Raymond Noodles, um, Jack Mac, which is Jack Mackerel in a just really shitty fish in a can, uh, tuna, bread, milk, whey protein, strangely enough, because we want inmates to get swelled up because that just makes all our lives so much more fun. And uh, and Raymond noodles and shitty fucking soda like uh, Fago, the same shit that all the juggalo or juggalos drink. So all the juggalos who want to go have <laughs> Fago, they can go to prison and they can have shitty Fago in shitty prison because they're <laughs> shitty people. And fuck it. Um, anyway, carrying on. So there's little guys extorting canteen from these other guys around him because he's got a reputation of being a fighter and a badass, and they're all he's he's trying to 
run a scam on them and whatever. So he uh, apparently he decides to start trying to extort another guy who lives in his room, who's this older guy. Now, this guy's been around the block. He's got a, a, a number that means he's been in prison since sometime in the 80s. Um, so he's been doing prison time a while. He's seen a lot. He's done a lot. And he's probably done more shit than we know about. But uh, this little guy starts hassling him for giving him food or whatever. And the old guy gives him his ramen noodles or whatnot. I don't really know or really give a shit. And uh, the little guy's happy and just threatens him and moves on. And that night, after he had done this, the little guy is laying in his rack and the old guy's on his rack and the old guy's asleep or looks like he's asleep. And the little guy nods off and goes to sleep himself. The old guy gets up and he picks up a chair. Now, we don't let inmates have wooden chairs or metal folding chairs. Every inmate gets in their bed area a, a little shitty plastic chair. Uh, they look a little bit like camp chairs. They're either tan or green, depending on where they are and uh, what location the actual prison it is. Now, these chairs aren't that uh, flimsy. They're not that sturdy either, though. Keep that in mind. Um, these are one-piece plastic injection molded chairs. Shitty as hell. Um, they don't weigh a lot, but they're, since they're all one-piece, they're actually pretty solidly built. Uh, you can put a three or four hundred pound guy sitting on one of these and it won't collapse or break or anything like that. It's also damn near impossible to tear a piece off these chairs because of how they're built. So the old guy gets up, little guy's asleep in his rack, and the old guy picks up his chair and he starts wailing on this little dude. And I mean wailing on the guy, uh, smacking him in the face, smacking him in the face, just like he's a pro wrestler and this is the greatest match ever, except he's not a pro wrestler. He's a 60-something-year-old guy, and he's beating the living shit out of a little guy. And uh, the only reason that staff found out about it before the next count or morning or whatever came next was while the guy is wailing on this dude, Another guy who's in the room with him wakes up somewhere right around the 12th or 13th whack and goes to the door, gets notice of one of the officers. The officer comes in, getting ready to OC the old guy who's beating the living fuck out of this little dude. And before the officer can spray him, the old guy stops, puts the chair down, and sits down in this chair. Now, keep in mind, by now this chair is covered in blood, um, various other fluids, uh, feces, shit, everything. <laughs> sits down in this little fucking chair. And puts his hands on top of his head and said, motherfucker tried to steal my shit. So, long story the long story short, the, uh, the guy he beat the hell out of ended up with severe traumatic brain damage. Um, his jaw was crushed multiple places. He lost teeth. Um, his nose was spread across his face. Uh, his face pretty much looked like uh, raw hamburger. Um, his orbital bones were both broken. He had multiple fractures of the skull. Wow. Um, part of his scalp peeled back around one of the fractures. He had blood coming out. He had uh, brain fluid coming out. And uh, it, it was a pretty disgusting scene. And uh, the, the funny part about it is the guy had been beaten so badly that the other guy damn near put him into a coma when he did it. And uh, the guy must have, apparently his automatic response was he thought he was dying and his body just evacuated. So he's, we've got the blood and the spinal fluid and bits of teeth and, and hair over here. And we've also got shit and piss. And, and when they come out of a guy who's damn near dying like that, they don't come out like, you know, good old fashioned solid American turd 
corn everywhere. No, it comes out like fucking raw slurry and just mixes with everything. It was one of the most horrific fucking smells I've ever smelled in my goddamn life. And, uh, yeah, so if you ever go to prison, uh, step one, don't fuck with old people. Uh, step two, don't fucking steal other people's food. Uh, now I've got another story that's, that's remarkably similar, and, but it's kind of a reverse situation. A uh, little guy decided that he and this other guy who he knew and one of them had informed on the other and gotten the other guy charges and then he went to prison and they ended up in the same prison and we didn't know this. Normally we try to keep those guys separate. But this little guy, he's, well I say little, I mean he's not like swolled up like the other guy was. He uh, put a can of Jack Mac in a sock. Now, if anyone's seen the uh, movie uh, Full Metal Jacket, they know what a, a hard piece bar of soap inside of a towel does when you beat someone with it. And uh, this little guy decided to uh, take his can of Jack Mac that he put in a sock, and he's he and the other guy are squaring off, getting ready to fight. And uh, he wheels this thing around like it's a flail and just spins it right ahead of him and smacks the other guy square in the forehead marvelous fucking hit great hit wonderful hit i watched it on video multiple times i laughed my ass off every single time because the other guy's sitting there standing there he's he's about six foot four ish big guy swelled up obviously a bodybuilder or uh, works out a lot inside the prison and this guy just takes his hit square right in the middle of the forehead and stands there and then it's just like a tree cut down in a forest by a lumberjack sways a little bit and then ee, boom thud and then the little guy proceeded to wail the living shit out of the other guy so <laughs> that guy didn't end up with a lot of brain damage or anything nonsense like that but uh that was another wonderful fun thing we had to deal with um so i think the moral of the story is uh don't go to prison prison sucks fuck you in the heart jack uh, i love you all guys have fun and uh, i'm out later Truly a modern day David and Goliath. <laughs> For real. If Reminds Dave... me of Bad Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Yeah. He puts all the Cokes in the pillowcase. Dude, I don't know what a can of Jack Mac is, but man, that sounds like it could save he, your ass. He said but... it was he said it was tuna fit, like uh like where they put sardines in a can, like a little metal tin can with like yeah. sardines or fish in it. I need to get some hand, get my hands on that, and put a tube sock and some Jack Mac in my glove compartment in case uh, I end up in the wrong, strong neighborhood or something. Or prison. Or prison. Damn. Well, I appreciate you calling in with those uh, prison stories. Made me definitely make sure I don't do anything illegal. Uh, so, <laughs> really, really do appreciate that. <laughs> so. That's all we got for voicemails. Now we got a. We're gonna go ahead and feed you baby birds with one of these. Uh, one of these stories from Sir Coxman. Let me go ahead and see here. All right. So this is "Hungry, Hungry Conroe" is the story's title. It says, "Life for the poorest, i.e., most people in Africa, is unremittingly bleak." And I'm not talking about a bit rough. I'm talking about pit of despair bleak. Even sell your kids for food bleak. <laughs> <laughs> As such, it's not surprising when they will what 
when they will do literally anything to try and get out. This can have many unfortunate consequences, though as my tale will demonstrate, stowaways are a major problem for most shipping container companies working in Africa. Ships are in port for a long time, and the prevalence of bribery in Africa means you can almost never rely on Port Authority staff to prevent people getting on board to your ship. Fortunately for those of us on board who are tasked with searching for stowaways, there are surprisingly few places to hide long-term on a ship. A 30-minute search was normally enough to check all the likely places and eject any people we found. There were also some unfortunate myths about where you could hide on a ship circulating amongst the population of African ports. They were, without exception, completely untrue. <laughs> Stories about <laughs> hiding holes and secret cavities that you could stow away into the next port were rife. The fact that people who believe these myths never came back enhanced the veracity of the myth rather than dispelling it. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> the reasoning behind this, of course, was that if people left behind assumed not coming back equal to having gotten away with it, when in fact it probably meant dead. <laughs> On this particular <laughs> occasion, I was performing a final search for stowaways before leaving Dakar in Singal, and I was on the railroad deck when the ship wheeled cargo is normally stored. The railroad deck, or roll-on, roll-off deck, is where the prow of the ship is articulated to allow said cargo to be wheeled straight out of the ship and onto the dock. To me, it always reminded me of the game Hunger, Hunger Hippos, which often led to refer to opening the deck as engage, open, disengage, close, hungry, hungry hippo mode, the prow door. So I'm on the radio on the con, and my crewmates have given all clear for the deck, so I radio up disengage, hungry, hungry hippo mode. Out of that moment, we hear a scuffle near the prow along with raised voices. It was particularly noticeable as the sound of the prow door closing is loud, especially when you hear the deck itself, so the articulation was clearly heated. We make it to the end of the deck just in time for the door to close with a signature thunk. Clearly the deck is dark now, so I flicked on my torch and scanned the area. The hinge of the door was obscured by a spare container, however I could see a pair of feet sticking out from behind it. Knowing that the locals are francophone, francophone, I call to see in French to see whoever it is to come out where we can see them. I Okay, I call out in French telling whoever it is to come out where I can see them. I also reassured them that they wouldn't be in trouble with us, although truth be told they were likely in for punishment beating from the port authorities for getting caught. Neither of these orders had any effect, though. Not an even for them, enough, not even for them to hide their patently visible feet. Tired of the games and conscious that any dicking around would delay the ship leaving port, I strode around the container and showed my torch onto what was a true scene of horror. The pair of feet I could see were from a person whose body had been crushed from the chest up from the closing prow door. The mechanism hadn't sheared any body in two, so it was hanging there like a person was standing up. Even worse <laughs> was that when I raised my torch up, I could see that there were two more pairs of feet protruding from the door hinge, this time with only legs below the knee. Both pair of legs were twitching spasmatically. I freely admit that after taking this all in, I blew chunks all over the deck. You see, one of the local myths was there was a cavity behind the prow door in which you could hide, completely neglecting the fact that the cavity was there to accommodate the door mechanisms when the door closed. 
It would appear that these three men, now fatally trapped in the door, had all had the same idea. Wait in hiding until the door started to close and then make a dash for the non-existent cavity. The scuffle we had heard was clearly the three victims fighting for who could get in first and the state we found them in was clearly the result of their stark realization that there was no cavity and that they needed to get out. Unfortunately, for sailing hungry hippo was too quick for them. <laughs> I didn't hang around for the reopening of the door and our departure was delayed by three days was the local police conducted an investigation. Not because they were going to hold anyone responsible for it, you understand, but because they wanted to extract a maximum bribe from the captain to be able to leave. Weeks later, on our way back to Africa, I noticed one of the crew had painted two and a half stickmen on the poor on the prow door underneath the engraved plate, which read "Hungry, Hungry Conroe." That's the fourth thing I learned in Africa. Merchant sailors have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, man. I say true. <laughs> I say true. I, w- I don't know what's worse. Like, him being able to, like, imagine that or that actually being true. So, I'm going to go with true. It's, I'm going to go with true. It's true. That was a true story, guys. <laughs> yep. <Fuck. clears throat> There's a hungry, hungry Conroe out there somewhere. Still possibly eating <laughs> Africans till this day. What kind of kill streak do you think he's got? <laughs> I don't know. Enough to get a hairier jet, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> hungry hungry conroe three african zero stowaways zero that's fucking brutal bro you know our cast is like one quarter hair now yeah man i do realize that but i mean <laughs> like i like, we 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 drizzle in 30k like we drizzle in horace heresy at the beginning let people know what we're doing and then like we got all these voicemails and we can't not play the voicemails or like play these stories that people want to share <laughs> and so we have to like we have to let them hear it like i, I know it's just funny it's funny <laughs> how the show's evolved yeah man like, I, well, I can't wait for the first wave of like prison stories now <laughs> for real man there is <laughs> no end there's no end so anyway, actually back on to some forty k some thirty k sorry some thirty k horse heresy. Okay, so now we'll go ahead and get into some emails, guys, where you sit in some thirty k questions on list. So before we get into full blown list, we got an email in. This came from Tristan. We actually did his list. What was it last week, Ryan? Did we do his list? don't remember there's a couple maybe last week or a couple weeks before or something like that he said hey guys just wanted to say thanks for the world eater advice last week oh yeah i guess it was last week had my first game this week with the models i already own included some picks yes i need to become a closer i had a blast even though i lost horribly due to foot slogging 40 marines diagonally across the field will definitely be going with the charybdis anvilus route you suggested the Anvilus I had drew the entire Iron Warrior's firepower after shaking a Derrideo and glancing a Scorpius just on the landing, and that was before the Red Butchers got out to cause mayhem. Cheers. So he did send us some pictures in, man. Uh, Tristan, your shit looks good, dude. This Karn that you sent in is super cool. Loving the Angron smacking on that Ultramarine there. So, And he's got that Anvilus ready to go. So... Looks like uh, he's got some stuff. He's got most of his stuff painted. About 50% of his army's painted. He sent us some pictures of that. 
we'll go ahead and post that up on the uh, the Facebook page to show you guys. But dig it, man. Very glad that you uh, you realized foot slogging Marines are not good walking directly across the field. They will die every time. So, any any advice for that, Ryan? Um, if you're just foot slugging guys, um, apothecaries are pretty much a must have. Um, yeah, World Eaters got that uh got that special apothecary built in to help you out with that. Yeah, he'll give you a four plus feel no pain. That'll help you uh, survive a little bit. That's really about it. Just uh, try to keep them in cover uh, if you can. I would rather roll difficult terrain. You know, and then just run afterwards, then, you know, to not get any save against AP3 stuff. So just keep them in cover where you're getting at least a five up or four up, followed by a feel no pain, and you'll keep them around for a while. For a long while. <coughs> Don't be afraid to go to ground. Um, if you're going to take a shitload of casualties, I mean, you might as well at least get some type of save or some type of bonus to a save if you're going to lose a bunch of guys. Yeah, I'm trying to think what would roll up on you that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to go to ground for this. I was going to say an Infernus, but that's going to ignore your cover save anyway. So. Right. Typically for me, it's like if, uh, like the other week, Jay, I ended up in a bad spot with some veteran guys. Like I got them out to shoot that night, and I, I had to put them where I put them, and they weren't in any cover. And then he shot Phosphex at me, and I'm standing in the open getting hit by Phosphex, and all I have is a three up save. So. It was like, well, I can literally lose every guy in the squad or I can go to ground and get six up saves. So I can either just remove all my models or at least roll some dice to maybe save some. So I went to ground. So it's one of those things. It's like that's typically when I do it. Like when it's like, well, it would be stupid not to. And then what was funny is I went to ground and then like 11 dice ended up rolling five sixes and half the squad lift. Hell yeah. That squad took cover on the ground in the open. <laughs> Behind blades of grass and shit. All right. So thank you, Tristan. Thank you for sending in that email. Appreciate you being a listener. And uh, look forward to seeing some more work in progress of your army there, man. Post it to our Facebook page. Post it to our wall. We'll be glad to, to share it with the world. So next list, next email is going to be a list. Uh, this actually came from a Mr... Chris S. I want to say his last name. This is that Salamander three thousand point list we were talking about. This is this is the this is the guy that just told uh, the stories about being in the Navy and works in the shipyard with the razor blades. Chris, our patron guy. Oh, okay. Mister Chris, with your razor blade stories. Uh, we all have nicknames in the Patreon, so it's like <laughs> I don't see last names anymore. <laughs> So, Chris in on the list. Uh, it looks like the list consists of 10 Fire Drake Terminators with Dragon Seal Swarm Shield on the on the Master, Mastercraft Weapon, Mastercrafted Thunder Hammer, 9 Fire Drake Terminators with 9 Dragon Seal Swarm Shields, 5 Power Fist, 4 Thunder Hammers. Uh, then he's got 10 Veteran Space Marines. The Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Power Weapon, Mastercrafted Weapon, 9 Veteran Space Marines. Just, oh, so, so, yeah. So ten space marines, kind of bare bones. They took a dozer blade on his. He took a rhino with dozer blade, auxiliary drive, extra armor, pendulum out of multi melta, uh, and he took that unit twice. So that ten man unit 
where the sergeant has the power weapon with mastercrafted where he mastercrafted in artificer armor uh actually he took that three times it looks like yeah copy paste three times so 30 dudes rolling around in a rhino and a veteran sergeant with some badass armor and a power weapon with a mastercraft power weapon so uh, then he took a sicker and battle tank with a whole mounted heavy flamer, duster blade, two spots mounted heavy flamers, a pinto mounted multi melta. Then he took a predator strike squadron with uh, two spots mounted last cannons, dozer blade, extra armor, and machine spirit. And he took two of those, and they're exactly the same. And then under his Laura War slot, he took a Macedon heavy assault transport. I don't know what's going. You on. You missed Vulcan. He's got Vulcan in the list, too, up above the fire drakes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so just as Vulcan he, up there. He was taking uh, Primarch's Chosen. The problem is I pointed it out to him. When you take Primarch's Chosen, you're not a right award. So you actually can't put the Macedon in the list. Shitty. There's no way to put a Macedon and a Primarch in the same list that I've found. Not even running Onslaught? I guess running onslaught. You're correct. That's the only way. Sorry, my bad. No, you're good. I, I meant running a. I meant running a right of war, like running a right of war, taking and then taking a primarch. You can't also take a mastodon. Gotcha. So this is an interesting list. Why the mastodon and nothing to go in mastodon except for the fire drakes and Vulcan, I guess. Yeah, that's all he was putting in there. I don't okay. know. He just did, liked the mastodon. What did you do? So. Well, so I looked at his list and I thought, well, what right of war can I take that I can basically put all these units that he has in there? Basically, I knew I was going to have to drop the Macedon. So the first thought was, well, I'll just get rid of the Macedon and take a Spartan instead and have a bunch of extra points. But I also want to include, basically keep the list the same, but move things around. So I was looking at it and I was like, well, he already has two Predators and then he has a bunch of Veterans and Terminators. So I was like, well, you could, you could go Pride of the Legion but then because he has all these tanks and he has Vulcan, which are all Le Legion of Stardust units, you can't really do that because you'll not, end up, you know what I mean? You'll end up with a with more non-Legion of Stardust units than Legion of Stardust, which is illegal. Right. So what I did is I, I switched, because he already had two Predators in the list, I just switched it to a Armored Breakthrough and moved those two Predators to troops. Okay. Uh, so ba And then I just took Karen that he had in the list and basically moved it to HQ as the compulsive HQ and made it the command tank, and then moved Vulcan down to the Lord of War slot. And then I kept the Fire Drakes as elite, the three veterans as elite, and then um, added in with the extra points a Fire Raptor and a Whirlwind. So anyway, I'll go through the list in detail here real quick. So for the HQ, I took a, a command a company command vehicle, which is a, a Sakaran with uh, Spons and Las Cannons, uh, for troops, I have a, a, sing, a Predator Squadron with a single Predator in it. Uh, the Predator has uh, Sponson-mounted uh, last cannons and a Dozer Blade. And then I took a second Predator as the second compulsory troop choice that's identical. For Elites, I took uh, 10 Fire Drakes. Um, the Drake Master has a Storm Shield and a Thunder and a Mastercrafted Thunder Hammer. Uh, the other guys all have Storm Shields. Uh, and then five of them have Power Fist, and four of them have Chain Fist. And then for the second Elite's Choice, I took ten Veterans and a Rhino 
the Rhino has a dozer blade panel mounted multi-melta, and then the Veterans, the Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Power Weapon, and the Power Weapon's Mastercrafted. And then three of the Veterans have combi weapons. You can make them whatever you want. I just said Melta, but he can make them whatever. And then that Veteran squad I just talked about, he has. I put it in three times. So he's going to have three Veteran squads, all in Rhinos, that have multi-meltas and dozer blades that all have three combi weapons per squad, and all the Sergeants will have... Um, Mastercrafted power weapons and artificer armor. Um, then for heavy support, I took a fire raptor gunship with uh, auto cannons and hell strikes. And then for the second heavy support, I took a scorpus whirlwind. And then for the Lord of War, I took Vulcan. And Vulcan will go in the Spartan with the fire drakes. Perfect. So if you look, it's identical, identical to his list. And I've swapped the uh, Mastodon for a Spartan. And then, but in my list, uh, the the predators become scoring, so it adds two scoring units to the army. And all of his tanks, all uh, or sorry, all of his rhinos become fast. Um, and the Sakaran becomes BS five because it goes to the command slot and gets BS five for free. So it's basically, and then because I had extra points for dropping the Mastodon, I added in the Fire Raptor and the Scorpus. Um, on top of the the Spartan, so I basically replaced the Mastodon with a. Oh, Spartan has a dozer blade, armored ceramite, and a flare shield. Um, so basically, I replaced the the Mastodon with the decked out Spartan, the Fire Raptor, and the Scorpus. So it's essentially the identical list that he ran, just moving things around, making all the tanks fast, making the Sakaran better, and giving all the veterans better war gear because I had extra points. Not bad. I agree on the drop of the spark on the the Mastodon as well. Unless he actually has a Mastodon, he just really wanted to paint it up and play it. But, but I get well, it. if you want to do that, you're going to have to get rid of Vulcan, or you're going to have to switch over to Onslaught. Yeah, and are Fire Drakes really that like good to be transported into Mastodon? I guess Vulcan is. I've see I've Fire Drakes are Fire Drakes Fire Drakes are uh, two up, three up, with two wounds. With weapon skill five, yeah. So they don't really even need to be in a Mastodon. I really feel like it. Vulcan, like I've I've played Vulcan riding in a Spartan before, and I've popped the Spartan, and he had to walk across. And so I could feel really see that you know a Mastodon getting him delivered and all that jazz would be, uh, really, like a secure way to get him up there. But I could see Spartan. Spartan's really the more economical choice, and it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty strong. So, yeah. But this is, I just like this list because it goes to show, like you can write a list when you write a list and you come up with the like these are the units I want to include, and you just write it, and you look at it in a straightforward manner like that. Look at what look at the components of it that you've written down that that's what you want in the list, and then mentally check. Can I basically take this same stuff, but maybe switch right a war where it would move things to a different slot where they become scoring or give them added abilities without really having to, you know, not take what I want to take? Because you can see that these two lists are almost identical, but you're getting fast rhinos and a ballistic skill five Sakaran and two more scoring units, but you're still taking the same units. Fuck yeah. That's why people so say listen to you, Ryan, so you can you can find those rattle wars so you can squeeze Yeah, but I'm just and... saying like other other people can do that too. It's just one of those things like put a little thought into it. Like when when you write a list, 
just go down through a mental checklist. Like if I changed maybe just little things, like even just swapping one unit for another, or if, if I even kept the same units, like in this case, and just maybe looked at different rights of war, how could I make it to where um, it just makes it better just by simply, you know, moving things around slot wise, but the same uh, units that I want and it'll keep the same feel and fluff that I was looking for. Gotcha. I hear you. All right, so there's that list. So it looks like the next list was a 2,500-point Blood Angels list. This is going to be a Day of Revelation. And this comes from Cam. Cam says, hello, you wonderful dick kickers. My name is Cam, and I reside in the, fi- the spider-infested Mad Max hellhole that is Australia. First off, love the podcast. Secondly, glad to hear you're back, Ryan. And thirdly, Scott, that combine har- combine harvester story was the con- tra- conversational equivalent to a shock and awe campaign. It was amazing. I wanted to submit this list because I need some advice. It's a 2,500 Blood Angels Day of Revelation list. I'm new to the hobby in general, but I wanted to create a list that could hurt Mechanicum, take heavy Arby's, or even knights. Fluff-wise, I was listening to Fear to Tread, and I wanted to create a boarding-slash-demolition force that refashioned themselves into an Alpha Strike fighting force after the betrayal at Cygnus Prime. The tactical theory I had behind this list, Damocles, needs some reassurance when deep-striking three units and drop-potting on turn one. The two demolition assault squads are attached to each. These guys go in after all matter of tanks and walkers and knights. The combat shield and melt bomb combination was to allow the squad hypothetically survive long enough against a Leviathan Dreadnought or Knight to melt bomb it to death. They have power swords. Sarge has a power axe. So if they get into contact with Thalax or Ursarax, they will be charging and hitting on at initiative 5 and will cut through their armor, hopefully doing enough wounds to reduce the incoming attacks. But I'll have a 5 save if impossible, feel no pain. Maxed out assault squads. Uh, Praetor Chaplain and Apothecary attached. This is designed to fight against typical Lord of War Death Star, aka Angron with Max Butchers and a Spartan. Uh, Fire Raptor, never leave home without it. Charybdis transports the eight Tatars Terminators, forward Chain Fist, forward Twin Link Lightning Claws, and to engage in combat wherever it, anything they want. Uh, Javelin, Rod of War requirement, plus they're cool. Please tear apart my list and remake it into something decent if you think it's ridiculously stupid. Uh, if way too boring, or you think it'll be labeled that guy, especially if it's labeled, especially if it's labeled that guy. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Cam. P.S. I originally sent in a two thousand point list a while to the Forgotten Legion because I'm a stupid motherfucker. Okay. So his list looks like, and I'm gonna go through this pretty quick. A chaplain with a blade of perdition, artifice armor, uh, boarding shield, and a jump pack with melt bombs. Uh, then he's got that Damocles Rhino he was talking about. Uh, looks like he's got Dozer Blade, Extra Armor, Pin Amount of Heavy Bolter. Uh, a Legion Praetor with another Blade of Perdition with uh, Artificer Armor, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Jump Back, Melt Bombs. Uh, under the Leech Choice, he's got three Apothecaries. Uh, all of them have a Jump Pack. Uh, looks like that's going to be it. And then he's got uh, a Legion Terminator Squad. I think these are going to be the Tatars he was talking about. Three with Chain Fist, uh, four with Lightning Claws, and there's going to be seven of those guys. Uh, they all have combi bolters and power weapons. Or combi bolters and whatever. Wait. No, they drop the four with the lightning claws, drop it, and the three with chain fist, keep it. Uh, then he's got another Legion Terminator squad. Oh, no. The 
sergeant has a chain fist. So it's eight Tatar's Terminators altogether. Then he's got a Legion Assault Squad with uh, ten Assault Marines. Uh, looks like they are taking Meltabombs, two Power Swords, and the Assault Sergeant has ar Artificer Armor and a Power Weapon. Uh, he's got that times three. So, oh no, that times two. And then he's got a third Legion Assault Squad with 20 dudes in it with four Power Weapons. Uh, it looks like it's a Power Axe, Power Axe, Power Axe, and another Power Axe. So four Power Axes in that unit. And the Legion Assault Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Combat Shield, Melt Bombs, and a Power Weapon, which I'm guessing is going to be Power Axe. And he's got the Legion Javelin Attack Speeder Squadron. Uh, this is going to be a Legion Javelin Attack Speeder. This is going to be part of his Rod of War. He needed to take it, so... Uh, he's took 200 killer missiles on it. He upgraded his heavy flamer to an Alyssa's pattern assault cannon, and he's taking the twin linked cyclone missile launcher. Uh, he's got the Legion Fire Raptor in there. Uh, looks like he took the four wing mounted Hellstrike missiles, and he upgraded to the Reaper auto cannon battery. Then his bare bones Charybdis, and that's going to be it. So, Ryan, what did you do? Okay, I basically kept his list the same. I really because we've written several lists that were similar to this in the past. Um, I just basically changed around a few things, cha uh, added members to squads, changed some war gear around, and things like that. So the first thing I did was get rid of the Damocles. I just don't think you need it. Um, you don't need the plus minus to reserve, really, because the only thing that will really benefit from that is the fire... Raptor, um, because the drop pod, because you only have one, automatically comes in turn one, and then all three assault squads come in turn one, do your legion rules. Um, the drop pod has the thing where it minimum scatters, so as long as you don't place it within 12 inches of a board edge, you can't mishap it. And then when it lands, it can flat out 18 in the shooting phase. So even if you max scatter 12, you get to move it back where you placed it plus another 6 inches. So it's kind of a waste to take the Damocles. The Assault Squads, yes, they can mishap, but you've got to think you're coming in turn one when most people are going to be in their deployment zone, so you're going to have plenty of area to put them in, and then you're going to be able to land them. And when they land, they're all going to be bunched up, so you're always, almost always going to want to run them anyway. Um, so by the time you land, put the first guy down and build rings around them, and then get to run, you're pretty much going to be where you want to go anyway, and then on your next turn you're going to be able to move 12 inches and then assault D 2d6. So it's not like things aren't, you know what I mean? You have such a long range for the assault. It, it's, I don't think it's worth the hundred points for the Damocles to take it. And then it also, because of the, the way the Damocles works and because of how soft it is, it's going to be basically on the board by itself. And, um, and if you don't quick target, like people understand what the Damocles is there for. And if it's the only thing on the board, you're going to have, Daredeo shooting at it, Predator shooting at it, like anything that has long range, you know. If if they have their if they have their yeah, if they have their drop pods and drop in because it's the only thing, so they're gonna drop pod in and shoot it. It's just uh, just not necessary. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed like in me is like the biggest and quickest uh Damocles killer is just like straight up a Daredeo with the alias missile launcher. Just yeah. Like the, oh, okay. Got rid of that thing real quick. Didn't even need to see it. Just fired it off, you know? Right. 
I mean, even even a battery of quad mortars will glance it down because it's only. I think it's only armor eleven on the side, so it's strength five even with the standard rounds. So all you need is sixes to glance it. And if you shoot a whole battery, you're getting twelve hits on it. Yeah. So out of twelve dice, you need three sixes to glance it to death. It's not definitely not unheard of. No. Um. So yeah, I, I, uh, I'm just. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of the Damocles. I am, but I think you have to have the right type of list for it. I much prefer it like in something like an Iron Fire list or something that has more than one flyer or something like that, where you're you're really like reserve reserve heavy. Where this army, the only thing it, it might likely have in reserve would be a Fire Raptor and a Javelin. I don't really think it's worth spending the hundred points to make those super reliable with the risk that you're taking. Right. So. So anyway, I did drop that. So anyway, uh, I kept the Praetor the same. The Praetor's Blade of Perdition, Melta Bombs, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Jump Pack. Um, then he took Right of War, Day of Revelation. Actually, I didn't program that in. Let me do that just real quick. Where's that at? The Day of Revelation. Okay. Then um, I got his Chaplain. Chaplain has... So here's the thing the chaplain comes with the crozius and you don't trade that in um for the blade of perdition so you're actually going to get your crozius with whatever you want it to be plus the blade of perdition so i actually made his crozius the mall a power mall um and then he has artificer armor blade of perdition melt bombs boarding shield and jump pack the reason i did that because he says he plays against a lot of uh mechanicum or whatever so there may be an instance, or even if you're just assaulting a vehicle, the Blade of Perdition is only strength as user. So say he's assaulting like uh, something like a Rhino or something, Armor 10 on the back, you can switch to the Power Mall because it'll make it strength 6. And then you can just like put a bunch of hole points on the tank or whatever. So it's not something I would spend points on normally for the versatility, but since you get it for free anyway, you might as well make it the Mall since the Blade of Perdition strikes at initiative and is AP2, you might as well go for something that's actually offers something different since you're getting it for free. Right. Um, for troops, um, I instead of running a 20-man and two 10-mans, I just did three 15-mans. Um, so the 15-man the squads are all going to be the same. So it's a 15-man assault squad. The sergeant has artificer armor, power weapon. You can make the power weapon, whatever. And then the... Uh, then out of the 14 other guys, two of them have power weapons, and then every single guy in the squad has a melt-a-bomb, and I have that three times. I'm not a big fan of combat shields, because the problem is, in shooting, they're only a 6-plus save, which is not reliable at all. Um, and typically, against shooting, you're going to have your guys in cover anyway, and you're most always going to have a better cover save than that 6-up, so it's kind of wasted points in shooting. So you really only get it in an assault. And I guess the way I look at it, a boarding shield or a combat shield is five points, right? Right. Um, it's only a five-up save in close combat. So that means it works one-third of the time, correct? Just math-wise? Yep. So for the same points as uh, three combat shields, you just get a whole other assault marine to be that extra wound. Yeah. Plus, you're getting all the bonus. Automatically, that makes sense. But, yeah. Plus, so so really, the only time that boarding shield or 
combat shields would really, really even I would even consider them as if I've already maxed the squad out at 20 guys and then I'm still wanting to add protection other than that mathematically you're almost always better just to add in an extra body for the same points as it would be because what basically what it means is every third invol save I make I'm saving one guy and two are dying whereas let's say you took three hits that would automatically kill three guys that's fine you've lost three but you still have the fourth guy because you've just spent those points on the extra wound so you're, it's really going to work out kind of the same. But the advantage is, if you're not taking those wounds, you have an extra body that comes with its own attacks, shooting attacks, you know, whatever. So you're getting an advantage there. I just think it's points better spent on the extra guy. Spend those combat shields. That's combat shield money and replace it for some meat shield money, baby. Yeah. So then for elites, um, I took his Terminator squad and I just blew it up to 10 men. So we just filled out the cryptus. So it's a 10-man uh, Terminator squad. Uh, the sergeant has a chain fist. Three other Terminators have chain fist. And then five guys have a single lightning claw. We've talked about this before. I don't like dual lightning claws. A single lightning claw is five points. Dual lightning claws are 15. But you're also giving up the combi bolter. So you're giving up a two-shot twinling weapon at 12 inches and in just for and paying 10 more points just for a single attack. And I just don't think it's worth it at all. You're going to get more work done keeping the combi bolter and just putting a single lightning claw on it. Every day. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. So it's basically 10 dudes that all have combi bolters. Five of them have lightning claws. Four of them have chain fists, including the sergeant. And they're going to go in the Charybdis. Um, I took his three apothecaries and left them the same. So three apothecary pack. I took his jack and left it identical, except that I dropped one hundred killer off because I, I needed five points and that was the quickest thing. So it's got a pinnel mounted assault cannon, twin link cyclone missile launcher, and a uh, single hunter killer. And then I have the fire raptor just like he had it, uh, with auto cannon batteries and hell strikes, and then I have his Charybdis. So it's pretty much the same list that he took. I just redistributed the assault marines, made the Terminator squad um larger and swapped around some war gear. I just think this is gonna be better and be a little bit more um, efficient for him. Yeah, I like the thought you put into it. I mean, it's it pretty much is the exact same list. You just made its points more efficient. There's not a whole lot of change on there. I mean, Day of Revelation lists are pretty much straightforward. So, yeah. Plus, I don't know. I didn't really look at it real close. I meant to do this. Um, I was a little confused because he had. I guess my extra points, because I was trying to figure it up, because he had eight Terminators, right? Yep. In his list? Yep. So I have ten, so I have two I have two more Terminators than he had, and then he had 40 Assault Marines, because he had two 10-mans, and I have, and a 20, and I have three 15-mans. Um, so I had 45. So I had five, five more Assault Marines and two more Terminators, but I dropped the dual lightning calls for a single lightning call, which should have saved points. I dropped all the combat combat should have saved points, and I dropped a whole Damocles, which should have saved points. And my list came to exactly 2,500. So I know that this uh, army builder list that he sent in says it's only 2,500 points. I didn't bother to go through and re-add it up, but it seems like there's points in there that aren't being aren't being cal- yeah. somehow. I don't know. So I, I, to me, in my mind, without like getting my pen and paper out, it seemed like his list was probably points heavy. It wasn't actually 2,500. I could be wrong. 
Does that seem weird to you too? No, because you're adding more dudes all around. Yeah, but two term two terminators are is only seventy points, but I'm gaining fifty points and just lightning calls alone, so that's only twenty points. And then I added five assault marines, which is sixty points, because I think they're like twelve points a guy or fifteen points a guy. They're either sixty or seventy five, but I dropped a hundred point Damocles. So it should have broke even, but then I got rid of all the combat shields for five points of combat shield. And he so they're on something anyway. It's not important. The list that I wrote him is 2,500 points. I just thought that that was weird. Like in my head, when I got, when I started writing the list and dropping combat shields and all that, I'm like, I'm going to have extra points to add in more javelins. And then when I got to the end of it, I didn't. And I was like, where did those points go? <laughs> so anyway, anyway, it's not important. Check your list, bro. Just make sure. If you decide to run that old list, yeah. just uh, run it through that battle scribe one more time or quartermaster. Get a calculator out and write it down on paper and make sure it's right. To be for sure, for sure. All right, cool. All right, so last thing on the list here. This comes from Mr. Shane. Shane said, hey, Ryan, glad you're back with the show. Sorry I've been behind on listening to episodes. Anyway, I was hoping you'd give me some tips on my army list. I'm participating in the Nova Open team event this year, and my partner is a drop pod word bearer army, Sean Murphy. He wrote your list. To, he wrote to you a bit ago, actually. I was hoping to be the meat shield that will take the heat, the first, the fire off of him and allow him to be the scalpel that cuts on the hard targets. They only make you take one troop, not two. I took the bikes to be some mobile and fairly tough firepower and the Spartan to be a typical Death Star. However, I feel like this list is missing something and I was curious what you thought. If you have time, great. If not, <coughs> no problem, dude. Anyway, here's a list and thanks again. Keep up the great work, Shane. Alright, so he's taking Gallant Serolite, Karn the Bloody. Oh man, this is his Nova list. All you people get your notepads out. The Red Butchers, which is a four Butcher Terminator or five... Uh, Butcher's Terminators. Uh, four of them have a second power axe, and the Devourer's taking a chain fist. Then he's got his Legion Tactical Squad with augmented uh, inducti. Uh, nine. Okay, so what are they taking? They're taking chain swords, combat blades, and Legion Vexilla. Then the Legion Tactical Sergeant is taking Artificer armor and melt bombs. Then in his fast attack choice, he took a Jet Bike Hunter Sky Hunter Squadron. Uh, he took 10 of those dudes running around with three Volkite Culverns. And the scar sergeant has a bolt pistol, chainsword, combat blade, and melt bombs. Uh, Did you get the Spartan? The red butcher. The red butchers had a Spartan too. The I don't red know if you butchers that are running around in a Spartan with armored ceramite flare shield and quad last cannon sponsons with a twin linked heavy bolter. Fifteen hundred points. Okay, so I didn't write you a list for a couple reasons. First off, I I got your I got your buddy Sean's word bearer list, but the word bearer list he wrote in was a right, uh, last of the serrated sun list, and it was 2,500 points, and it's you're only taking 1,500 points uh, to Nova. So I don't know exactly what he's taking, but I can sort of guess um, if he's still sticking with drop word bearers. So that being said, I was thinking, if you look at his list, he said, what am I missing? Well, you're missing scoring. You have not a single scoring unit. And then if your buddy is taking last of the serrated sun, it means he's got to take Galvor back as troops, which means they don't score as well. So I don't know exactly what your friend's taking, but unless he's taking an overabundance of scoring units, you guys have zero scoring in both your lists. 
So knowing how Nova works and knowing how <laughs> how the Grand Legion thinks, you're going to need some scoring. Quite a bit yeah, of scoring. Because obviously jet bikes don't score. Um, your tactical squads would normally score, but you made them inductee, so they lose scoring and can never count as scoring. And Red Butchers have a rule that they never count as scoring. And then you have two characters that obviously don't score. And then, like I said, if you take Last of the Serrated Sun, it makes... Um, you you must take Galvor back as troops. So at least one of his one of his troop slots is going to be taken up Galvor back, which can't score. And then Word Bearers are forced to take two HQs. So you're going to have a lot of points ate up in your compulsory Galvor back squad and your two compulsory characters that none of that scores. So I was looking at even if you just went full on like naked tactical squads with the word bears, you could maybe fit in three squads of like just tacticals, something like that. So I, I just don't really feel like three tactical squads out of two army lists is enough scoring. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, man. If uh, if you plan on just wiping your opponent, uh, and that's like how you plan on winning and all that, the Nova guys don't fly like that. Like they. I don't think even is this a team like it's a team tournament, but it's still like a team like narrative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, don't know that. It, I I don't really know. I'm not playing in it this year. I'm I'm playing in the Nova, but I'm doing the. This is on Sunday, I yeah. believe, and I have to leave or leave early Sunday, so I I didn't not gonna have time to do it. So I signed up for the narrative single player on Saturday. So I'm just playing in the narrative single player. I'm not actually doing the team event, um, because I have to leave, uh, but. Anyway, I, I want to do your list, so uh, just uh, it'd be easier if we can actually have a back and forth conversation. So if you hear this, uh, just hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Just find me. It's Ryan Kimmel uh, from Martinsville, Indiana. Just shoot me a message on Facebook Messenger, and uh, I'll respond to you. And we can just have a back and forth dialogue that way. Answer your questions all the time, and that way we can come up with something that uh, you can kind of give me what your buddy uh, Sean is running, and then we can look at what you kind of want to run, and we'll make something that meshes well with his list that I feel like would be something more tailored towards a Grand Legion uh, event that'll that'll do do better for you. Yeah. No. I makes, that makes sense a lot because you're going to see some stuff that needs to have scoring on the table or you will not have a great time, I feel like, just off of speculating right. on how the Grand Legion thinks and how their heads work. So, and then, I mean, I was just looking at like this half of his list. Um, the red butchers are going to be a little hard to deal with, but like you got 10 jet bikes. Yeah. They're fairly tough, but because the tactical guys are just going to be in the open, like they're not in a transport of any kind. So somebody with quad mortars or really anything will kill those 10 guys in a hurry. And then the, then really all they got to do is worry about, uh, the jet bikes, which they're still just one wound, two plus armor save models. And even if they're shooting at you and just making them jink, it takes away a lot of their effectiveness. So really, you're just going to be pigeonholed into having Karn and the five red butchers and Gar- Galen and trying to do all the heavy lifting. Um, while and I, waiting, I just don't, I don't. While you're waiting for your buddy to come on the table. With drop pods. If he's running drop or bearers. I don't know exactly what he's running, but that's what I wrote wrote the list for him being so well, he, yeah he said, I, I think we need he said in his original like his email he mentioned that uh oh drop yeah drop pod word bears yep yeah 
So my guess is he's going to run serrated sun, which means once again, he's not going to have very much scoring. Uh, so yeah, maybe they don't care. Maybe they're just like scoring so, units are for the week. We'll just yeah. beat ass. <laughs> we'll just get, which is we'll fine. If, if that's what he, um, this list, uh, like if you just one real quick tip that you need to know, the one thing that this Spartan doesn't have that at 1000% needs is a dozer blade. Um, you don't want because this thing is 370 points with no dozer blade, so you don't want a 370 point vehicle hung up turn one in a crater because you rolled a one. Getting fucked up by owl bears and not being able to escape and shit. Yeah. So. But anyway. Uh, yeah, just hit me up on Facebook Messenger, Shane. If you don't want to do that, you can just write me another email and just make it a little more detailed on what you're looking for and what your list is, and we'll help you out. But it'd be a lot easier for both of us if you just hit me up on Messenger. Very cool. Very smart. Solid advice, Ryan. Solid. It's one of those rare occasions where you just want to like make sure that you uh, get the feel for them before you write them a list, and I really, I really like that about you. Very cool. And then just say, you know what? Just hit me on Facebook. Here's my address, and my social security number. Just come find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, glad I'm related to a Nigerian parent. <laughs> so that's it for list, man. It's going to be it pretty much all around and not much, uh, much else in the podcast here. I think we're pretty much, pretty much done this day. I need to make an announcement. I would love to hear this announcement. So, um, we're going to have a event, an event here at my place, a heresy event, on September 23rd. So anybody who wants to come hang out with us and play some games with our game club and uh, experience one of my events, uh, me and my buddy Nick are putting it together. It's going to be September 23rd at 10 a.m. Uh, it's going to be a... a it's basically a 3,000-point event, but we are going to have one table here that's a team table, and on that particular table, you're only going to play... 2,000 points per player. So if you come, have at least one 3,000-point list written and one 2,000-point list written. Um, your your two lists just have to be the same faction. So like if you play Word Bearers as your 3,000-point army, you also need to play Word Bearers as your 2,000-point. But other than that, there's no restrictions. Um, so but the other thing we're going to do, we're going to do it uh, Eye of Horror style, where you can change the list between rounds. So the way that the way I do it though is there's no list writing here. So basically, you can write as many lists as you want beforehand and bring all the models. So if you want to sit and write out a hundred different three thousand point lists, that's on you. But once you make it through my doorway, there's no the list writing stops. And then basically, what's going to happen is you're going to be assigned a mission and a table and an opponent. And then you can get with your opponent and see. You won't see exactly what they're playing. You'll just know like this is my mission. These, this is the faction that he's playing, and then you guys can kind of uh, pick a list that you think is going to give you guys both a mutual uh, good game. So the reason we like this is if somebody wants to bring an all-night army, because some people just like, like knights, the problem with that is if you show up to an event with something like that, you might get paired up with somebody that just cannot handle it um, normally unless they tailor their list. So this gives you an opportunity for somebody to bring something like that. That's not really trying to be a dick. They're just trying to enjoy their models, but it allows their opponent to at least change their list around where it makes it a good game where everybody has a good time. So this event is only going to be two rounds. The reason it's only two rounds is because you're playing big 3000 point games. and We want you to be able to finish. 
So the idea behind the event is just so you can have a good, relaxed game. You're going to play your 3,000-point game. Then we'll break for lunch, have a, a fairly long lunch, an hour-long lunch. Then we'll have another 3,000-point game. Then we'll give out prizes and do all the normal event shit. And then if you still want to stick around after that, we'll have open gaming. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Uh, I stole the two-round event thing uh, from Zach Paget from the, the Michigan. I think I've talked about it on here before. One of my favorite events I went to was just a two-round, two 3,000-point event. It just felt right. It was like the exact amount of heresy I wanted to play that day. Um, three ga- three 2,500-point games in a row, usually about halfway through the third game. I lose interest. I'm just fucking over it unless it's a super stimulating game. Um, but that the 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 event where it was two 3,000-point games, I got done. I was satisfied. I was at my heresy limit for the day and didn't feel like overtaxed and exhausted. So that's kind of like where we got that from. I love it, dude. That's pretty much how most events are, are going nowadays. The three thousand point two 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 games. That's how yeah. it seems like that's where I, it's I think starting that, to evolve. I think the perf I think the perfect event would be the three thousand point two games, but then do two days. So you get two two three thousand point games one day and two three thousand point games the next day. Yeah. If you're gonna be. do a two day event. That'd be the way to go. So four So just real quick, I'm not gonna get super detailed, but kind of the way we want to run the event. Um, this is another thing that, uh, the Michigan guys did like a year ago. Uh, we're going to have like each side, the traders will have a general and the loyalists will have a general, um, the each general will be given 20 missions. So each mission will be a, a one-off. So there'll only be one of each mission, but each general will have the list identical list of missions. So you would have like list missions one through 20 on the trader side and one through 20 on the. Uh, loyalist side and then what will happen is the generals will be able to assign you'll basically pick an opponent pick a table and then the general will give you a mission for you to complete and they'll do the same thing for your opponent but your opponent's mission may be different than your mission so they're going to be asymmetrical missions love that which is cool love that idea because you have no idea what your opponent's trying to do even if you're trying to guess you know it's like what the fuck are they doing why why do they keep sticking around that area and then I know people worry about stuff like that because they're like, well, if I'm playing kill points, I have a possibility of scoring 30 points. And if he's playing objectives and there's only two objectives, how's that going to be fair? Well, the way it works is you basically every every mission will have a primary and a secondary regardless of how many points they are. So into the game, it's going to mark, did I complete my primary? Did I complete my secondary? And your opponent will do the same thing. And then you just cross. You, then you just check. So you'll say, did I complete my primary yes did my opponent no so obviously you won so it doesn't really matter what the mission is it's just you're you know checking your primary against theirs and your secondary against theirs love it dude i love that that gameplay works out very well yep so that's pretty much i just i just wanted to announce that we'll have more details later um all my events are usually pretty good we give away a ton of shit we have kurt uh, Matt's is the local guy. He always makes posters for us. We th- think we're going to do dog tags for this event. Have Kurt design the uh, art for the dog tags, hopefully. And then um, we're going to give away a load of resin and plastic like we normally do. Oh, it's going to be a, a $20 entry fee like all of our events. But the uh, 100% of the money goes towards, we usually provide lunch. So usually $5 of everybody's entry fee goes towards the lunch that we provide. And then the, all the other money goes towards prizes i don't make any money off of it it's all prizes and food that gets thrown back in to the players 
Fuck yeah, and I can attest, guys. Ryan knows how to run an event. It's always a good time. Always a good time yep. in the Kimmel basement. What a uh, what was the day? One more time, Ryan. It's going to be September twenty third um, at ten a.m. So we tried to pick a day. I think this is a two weeks before the Michigan GT. So if you're if you're going to go there, it still gives you time. Like it's not like stacked right on top of it. So. It's either two weeks or it might only be a week, but I think it's two. Solid. Dig it, man. Works out perfectly. Yep. So, And I'm going to be at the Michigan GT uh, right after this event. I think, Like I said, I think it's two weeks later. So I'm going to be at the Michigan GT too. So anybody wants to go to the Michigan GT, I'll be there playing Zone Mortalis for Heresy and then running my Dark Age event. So if you're there, we can hang out. And I'm also going to Nova Open. So if you're going to Nova... Uh, like uh, 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 Sean and Shane here, you'll get to see me at the Nova Open as well. Make sure you go say hi to him, guys. Go give him a high five and a pat on the butt, and then go play him a game, and y'all could maybe kiss open yep. mouth. <laughs> and if you're coming to Gen Con, there's no heresy events at Gen Con, but you're always more than welcome to come to my place uh, when you're done with the like. If you go to the con, like Friday, Saturday, whatever, after you do your shopping and the main vendor hall closes at 6, uh, hit me up on Facebook. I'll invite you back to my house, and we can just play open gaming uh, in my basement. we got several guys that are going to be in town that are going to be playing here. So I'm hoping my house is party central for Gen Con. Sounds like I'm going to have a lot of strangers here playing board games in my basement, which is fun. Which can never go wrong with. I was thinking, dude, I was talking <laughs> to my, my roommate, Jake about a uh, uh, he used to make cards against humanity, uh, like custom cards and all that. He'd get them printed up. He'd like you know put some like special words in there and stuff like that. And he could like, custom make them and send them off to go get done. I was wondering is there would be a market out there for like Horus Heresy cards against humanity like custom cards. Like if we just made like a little set to like pass out. Like I wonder if there's like a lot of people. Like if there was like you know like you know, Rubel Gilliman and like uh, the Betrayal of Calth and like stuff like that. Just like Horus Heresy specific, like Cards Against Humanity. That'd be fun. Like take, because you'd have to take some of the normal cards with like the raunchy funny shit in it and then just mix it in with heresy themes and names, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, well it would just be like an addition to your cards normal Cards Against Humanity set. Like you just shuffle it in okay. and you're playing with like your normal peeps. And so, like you play like Rubot Gilliman. I'm down as I'm down as long as there's a Spankatron card, um, a uh, a uh, Freddy the, the Sweet card, <laughs> uh, things like that. Like a Rogel porn, a Rogel a Rogel porn card. Rogel Dorn eating cats, uh, like just every every Horus Heresy like thing you can think of, just included in there with all the the like local scene and all that jazz that like I've horse made and all that jazz. So I think we can get some of those made and just like sit them out. I'd like some ideas out there from all you listeners, some ideas that you think would be funny to be on these cards, but so, so I guess that's it. It sounds like we're done with this little, little podcast right here. This is episode 63. We'll get some music for you guys going. Uh, just remember, you can always send us emails, michael at warhammer30k.com, ryan at warhammer30k.com, scott at warhammer30k.com, and derek at warhammer30k.com. 
and uh, we will get back to you guys as soon as we can. If you want to leave a voicemail, just call in. It's 209-RFI-30K0. Uh, if you decide that you are international listener and you don't have, you know, you don't want to pay the toll to the long distance fee to give us a call, you can always just send us an email with a voice clip and we'll play that on air in the voicemails. That takes up a lot of our show now. So, you know, we're always down for it. We always like voicemails and we always like to hear your guys' stories. So don't hesitate to, uh, to send those in. Uh, also, of course, we've got a Patreon page that we have set up. If you want to become a patron, we have a special Patreon chat. With a uh, with a closed group as well, a little secret group, and so uh, that does help us with the uh, the wheel of grindage and things like that. And it just you know we put it back in the podcast. So uh, really don't have anything else, guys. That should be it. Uh, like I said, if you have any ideas, you want to send us in. If you have any idea, uh, one of the big things we are looking for right now is because it looks like it's becoming more and more of a possibility. Our ideas for Camp Heresy. Uh, like, if you have any suggestions or anything you would like to see from Camp Heresy, I, I would like to get those suggestions in an email so we can kind of whiteboard it and see how we can make that happen for you guys. So, looks like it's becoming more and more closer to a thing, like more of a realization. So, it'd be pretty cool. But uh, that's all I have, guys. And uh, so, I guess we'll go ahead and close out and throw some music on for you guys. You have a good one. See you guys. Bye, everybody. Relax. This is Earth Radio. And now here's human music. Hmm. Human music. I like it. <laughs>